At Coco Talk, we'd like to thank the patrons who sponsor our show, so our heartfelt gratitude goes out to Al Hartman, Alan Huffman, Alan Murphy, Amigos Retro Gaming, Blair Ledoux, Brendan Donahue, Brian Weasler, D. Bruce Moore, Davey Mitchell, Diego, Patrick Randolph, Eric Canales, Frodo NL, Glenn Hewlett, Graham Vebke, Grant Leedy, Henry Strickland, Jason Downs, Jenna Farrant, Ken Reichert, Kyle Etter, Malfunct, Michael Pitsley, Rick Eulin, Paul Fiscarelli, Paul Shoemaker, Paul Thayer, Richard Lorbieski, Rob Inman, Steve Batson, Stephen Wagner, Terry Steen, The Backyard Shed Gang, Tom C., Tom S., Tin Limner, and Tony C. Thank you ever so much, patrons. Coco Talk is an unscripted live broadcast. Anything can and will happen. The views and opinions expressed by members of the panel and the live audience are their own and not necessarily those of the Coco Talk show, its sponsors, affiliates, or subsidiaries. Open minds encouraged, sense of humor recommended. If any off color comments were made, we're sorry. Hi, this is Dale Lear, designer of TRS 80 Color Baseball. And you're listening to Coco Talk. Talk, the only show in the world featuring David Ladd. It's time to grease your weasel and do whatever yo pleasel, cause we're about to rock your 8-bit world. Welcome to Coco Talk, episode 197. We are the other Coco Talk show. Usually not worthy of being mentioned by name, but we'll call ourselves out. We're Coco Talk. Welcome to the show, everybody. Oh, yeah. Sing along if you know the words. We got people out here in the live chat already. Mark Bosley, Curtis Boyle, 8 Bits in the Basement, Explore VR, Nimble, David Ladd, Mikey, he likes it, he likes it, Kevin Holloway, Terry Steen, Canadian Retro Things, Explore VR, David Craker, Mark Overholzer. The live audience is out. They are here. We are here. The panel is here. We've got a show. We are the other show. We are some other show that talks about Coco, but that's us. We are the Coco Talk Show, the world's only show featuring live talk about the Tandy Color Computer, the Dragon, and the MC-10. And we got all kinds of people here to talk about the Coco. One of those people who's wearing glasses that I believe will allow him to not only see through clothing, but possibly into the future, our resident Apple guy, Mark D. Overholzer, is with us. Good afternoon, Mark D. Hello there. Glad to be here. And we're glad to have you here. Another guy whose name is Mark, spelled a little bit differently, 
but he's our backup engineer. He is a hardware aficionado and is a very well-dressed guy, too. Mark Bosley's with us. Good afternoon, Mark. Hello, everybody. And we've got a guy with a beard that would make most men jealous. We're talking about Rick Euland is here. Hello, Rick. Howdy, folks. How you doing? How you doing? How you doing? We've got Alan Murphy with us as he's entering the Androne. Welcome. Howdy, howdy. We've got, not only do we have a resident Apple guy, we've got a resident Atari guy. It's Slobby Malibu, everybody. Greetings and sanitations, everyone. And sanitations to you, sir. <laughs> we've got from old Canada, L. Curtis Boyle. Hello, L. Curtis. Hello, everyone. We have got a guy from sunny Arizona. He's got a garage. He is neighbors to Paul T. Barton. It's Rondavon. How's it going? Not to mention Rob Inman. Rob Inman might not be your neighbor, yep. but he's close enough, right? It's a harder throw. Hard, it's, it's really okay. hard. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. We got a guy who knows a thing or two about the toggle switch. We're talking about from CocoMan.biz, Jason CocoMan Records with us. Hello, Jason. Good afternoon, everyone, and I've got my diet, Dr. Pepper, and I'm ready to go. <laughs> Where's David? David is taking care of his brother today, getting that ah. second COVID shot for bro, which is a good thing. Uh, mm. Brian Weasler's with us, a guy who gets things, makes us all jealous. Hello, Brian Weasler. Hello, all. Welcome to the show. Mm -hmm. We got a guy who makes lots of sound. It's Brian, the music man, Shoebring. Hello, Brian. Hey, 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 I'm here, everybody, and glad to be with everyone here today. Thank Hope everybody's doing good, and back to you. All right, and back to you. From down under, the thunder, the guy who likes to say, Oh, crocky. It's Nicholas Marentes. Good eye, Nick. Hey, good eye. You call that a shark? This is a shark. Ah, <laughs> We have got a member of the Jedi Order. The guy who trained Obi-Wan. The guy who started training freaking Anakin, too. None other than Qui-Gon Jinn is with us. Hello, Qui-Gon. Howdy, howdy. Also known as Michael Brandt, for those of you who maybe know him by his alter ego. Hello, Qui-Gon. Down here is Stevie's neighbor. That's right. Last, Michael Brandt, ask for him by name. Last, but certainly not least, a man whose name is so nice, you must say it thrice, going once, going twice, it's... Nick Marotta. And how are you today, Nick? I am doing very well. Thank you for asking, Steve. It's great to be here. Oh, and it's great having you here. Mark Overholzer is here. I mentioned 8 Bits in a Basement. David Craker. Coco Man. Michael Pitsley. Frodo is here. David Ladd is here on the book face. And Nick Morenti 68 is here. L. Curtis B. is here. we got some people watching us in Twitch. We've got Pilot 0352. Oh, boy. It's that time again. And Brian Weasler, hello, hello. Hello to you all. We are multi-streaming across the multiverse. We are live on the I'm a Coconut YouTube channel. We are live on our brand new Coco Talk Twitch channel. So it's twitch.tv slash Coco Talk. We're always on our Coco Talk Live um, Facebook Live page. And we're at a few other places, too. I believe you can find us on Christian Mingle and I believe Craigslist. Um, I'm, there's a few other networks we're still trying to get onto. So, um, we're also available at your local blockbuster. <laughs> That's right. But please be kind and rewind. All right. So. It might take six weeks to get there. <laughs> tech, tech, title not included. Offer prohibited where? Offer void where? Prohibited. Okay. Um, only valid in the continental United States. Okay. Uh, please consult your physician at Coca Talk 
last them more than four hours, uh, you're welcome. All right, so um, <laughs> let's get into everyone's favorite segment of the show. This is a part of the show that the we end. call the end. Yes, this is the end. <laughs> we did that uh, joke last week. We did. We did. You know what? And you know, we say it never gets old, but you know what? Sometimes it's old. All right, much like the panel, sometimes it's just old. Um, so what we're going to do right hey. now is we're going to get into uh, top of the show, top of the morning to you. We're going to get into updates and acquisitions, and we're going to start things off with Brian Weezer because if anybody has acquisitions, this is the guy. This is the guy who acquisitions. Uh, I think he acquisitions a little too much, if you ask me, but maybe I'm just jealous. What do I know? Well, the first step is admitting that you have a problem. <laughs> I believe I believe he said before the show that it was a he had, he just had a few. So I'm guess I think that means a dozen or less. <laughs> right, right. Mr. Dave is out there. Hello, Mr. Dave. So Brian, uh, no pressure, but everyone's waiting on you. Take your time. This is a live <laughs> yeah, show. Please. Take your time. Take your time. <laughs> well, I do apologize. I did kind of join right at the very last minute. I did uh, actually have some packages. What, what I was going to do is to do kind of a little impromptu. Uh, uh, unboxing here right in front of you guys here um, so you guys get to see it as I'm seeing it so some of these I'm not sure exactly what's going to be inside uh, some of these uh, uh, boxes here box of chocolate <laughs> is it a box of chocolates because you never no, know what you're going to get chocolate, okay. though, but uh, this, is a, this, this is a book here I picked up here it's called family computer book I hadn't had a chance to really look at it yet mm. um, it's just kind of a, a, a there was something about this book that I was going to grab so I so I got this one here. Hold on, hold that up again. Let's look at that picture. Let's 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 soak in this symbolism here. We've got a girl who's probably less than five years old with her older brother looking over her shoulder, and this is basically saying, "Listen, these little kids can use a computer. It's easy. That looks like an Apple II or an Apple II clone, like maybe a Franklin, but it looks kind of Apple II-ish to me. But look look at the, the age of that girl, right? She is like really little, and that kid's not that much older too. So the I believe the implied symbolism here is computers are so easy, these little kids can use them, right? So, <laughs> you can even do it, yes. Yeah. But is she using it as a touch screen? Oh yeah, it was. That was uh, that was that was. It's, it's it's Apple. They've always had multi-touch as a oh, feature, okay. right? Yeah. <laughs> so let's see here next on the. Uh, on the pile here, let's see. <laughs> Ken uh, says she's like fifty nine now. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, now can we yep. get her on the show? Yeah, round of oh, have go. lunch. <laughs> she's calling. She's calling an audible. David Lord says. <laughs> <laughs> um, in this next package here, only because the price is right, and I I was trying to get some sets of these for oh some box, yeah some box some box computers that I have, but oh, I don't have yeah. the manuals with them. So the uh, ever-popular going ahead with BASIC, uh, your Color Computer 2, and uh, the, uh, Operation operations manual. manual, yes. So, so we know where the start button's Plug at. Plug into wall, and, uh, press power switch, connect to TV. Getting started. Wow. That's the second edition full-size version by the looks of it. Of the yes. Color yes. Yep. So there's that one. I already lost count. You already lost count. Paul Shoemaker <laughs> is out there. Hello, Paul Shoemaker. I'm well, pretty sure five, we sent Paul the... so far. Like, are we counting? What to the computers that this book used to be with? Um, well, this is a Radio Shack book. I only picked this up simply because I've uh, started working on getting my ham license. There's been a lot of ham talk, and it's been on my to-do list for many years. But this caught my eye. It was $5. So it's just uh, from 5 watts to 1,000 watts. But it's more of a ham radio. But it is a Radio Shack uh, okay. uh, made book there. So it kind of talks about... Um, uh, 
citizens band to Tran him. Yep, transmitters and things like that and stuff. So that's that one. Hence and this name. one here, all the way from Australia, Mr. Nick. Right. Oh, Frankie, it only took uh, only took three weeks this time. The last book I ordered from Australia took almost eight. Well, weeks imagine to get how here. many kangaroos had to relay that thing to. This poor thing's retired. <laughs> Just a backup wallaby for that matter. So the first book here is the big fat book of computer games. Wow. Well, first of all, it can't be from Australia because I can read it. Right side <laughs> Turn up. Us, there you go. There. Oh, <laughs> now, now it looks authentic. <laughs> so, yeah, this is a it's a book here. I think it just kind of just has a bunch of different computer games in it. Uh, it kind of caught my eye. I like the, the front cover of that one. I'm trying to recognize the author's name. Sounds familiar to me, and I can't remember why. Uh, Tim, is it Hart, Hart, Hartnell? Hartnell. Hartnell. Is that the adventure book you got, Stevie? Uh, let's uh, see. It's not too far away. Um, actually, welcome to the Coco Talk Book stuff. Club. It is. It absolutely is. Yep. Yeah, my adventure game book is Tim Hartnell as well. N E L L, right? Yep. Tim Hartnell. Yep. 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 Okay. Okay. Cool. That's why it's unfamiliar. Pilot wants to know if it came in a, in a pouch. It came in a pouch. Well, and, and by the way, who is Pilot? Sort of. I guess sort of a kind of get, came in a pouch. There, pilot so. is on our on our Twitch chat. Yeah, but, Sorry, who, but who is that? Is that somebody we know as another name, or is this? I a, don't know. I just like this question. Pilot. Did it come in a pouch? Yeah, it came in a brown uh, paper bag. Oh, Tim Franklin. All right. Hey, Tim. Oh, yeah, someone in chat says the X81 books. That's where I remember the name from. Oh, oh X81. Okay. And then another yeah, book too. here, um, also by Tim Hartnell, is the uh, Tim Hartnell's Giant Book of Computer Games. Oh, wow. So, another, uh, so he's so got a, the, a big, fat big fat book, book and a giant <laughs> book. And a giant book. <laughs> what are we implying so, here? That this guy has got lots of computer games for us, huh? <laughs> <laughs> you got the huge book, too? or um, so No, I but I do have... <laughs> Do I do have uh, Tim Hartnell's? This is the last one here. Tim Hartnell's second giant book of computer games. Well, you couldn't think of another synonym. Come on. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm. I am. I am waiting for the keto-friendly uh, Tim Hartnell's reduced calorie book of computer games. So, uh, <laughs> Low carb. Frodo mentioned in chat that Hartnell. That Hartnell wrote a bunch of ZX81 books. Ah. Well, so. Okay. And then an, another item here over my left shoulder here, so I can lis listen to some uh, FM radio here on oh. my Radio Shack uh, radio there. It's kind of, I've seen these kind of pop up from time to time. And oh, uh, I decide cool. what, what the heck. How much did that so, cost, by the way? Um, I think this was $35. Hmm. I, I have something to say about that. I've never well, seen it. was like $1.2 million. It's a real yeah. bargain. Yeah. Yeah, a real bargain. Um, <laughs> these things uh, seem to pop up anywhere from the 30s all the way. Some go up into the 80s and $90. I think it depends if it's in the box or not. This one was boxless. Wow, yeah. that's cool. But uh, it was just kind of neat. I don't know. Strictly AM radio, I presume? Uh, AM, let's see here. It is AM. strictly AM. It yes. comes in your choice of AM. AM, <laughs> yes. So you can only use it in the morning. I can only use it in the morning. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Exactly. Come, so. Comes in Radio Shack Red. Yeah, that's cool. I, I, I did. If I if I could just, uh, I did want to ask from last week there uh, when I showed Nick's book uh, there, Coconuts. Um, I was kind of. I think he had to leave a little bit early on the show though. But I did want to ask though if if Nick had any memories from doing that book. If there's any interesting stories as he was putting that book together that he wouldn't mind sharing with us. And hold it up again for those who didn't see it because I never uh, I had never seen the physical copy before. Uh, yeah. Hold on oh. a second here. I have a physical copy autograph. Ooh. 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 And then and several people that were 
in the book autograph their section of the book that we're at, we're at oh, the show. Neat. Yeah, yeah, coconut. So I, I made that book up uh, and took it to Penfest 2000. It was part of my uh, attempt to raise money to cover my airfare <laughs> because, <laughs> because I knew they weren't going to pay. Uh, they, they weren't going to pay me to to send me. Uh, well, no, they were going to pay to send me back. <laughs> oh, okay. Get rid of him. It was a one-way um, ticket, huh? Yeah, one-way. <laughs> yeah, I, I needed the other half of the ticket. Unfortunately, so, you did the wrong way, but go ahead. <laughs> so that's what I made that, that – uh, why I made and sold that book at the time. So it was my way of um, – prior to the, the that fest, I, I'd never been to a Cocoa Fest and never met any of these – these rock stars of the cocoa world. So I thought, well, let's uh, see if we can find them on the internet, interview them, and write a book. So that's what the Cocoa Nuts book was all about. But the only other weird story or weird interview I ever had did in, in that book um, is, is there a Greg Zumwalt in that uh, in the contents? I can't remember yeah, what there I was. Yes, there is now. I think yep. that's the good one. The, um, the um, original Greg Zumwalt that I contacted back then, I remember it was some guy who was, you know, saying he was Greg Zumwalt, and I, I, you know, asked him questions, and it was really weird because the answers I knew I knew the um, answers to some of the questions, yet he was giving different answers, and he was saying some weird things, and I thought. Is this really Greg Zumwalt? Right. So I I didn't print that one, and I must have found the real Greg Zumwalt right, later right. on. So you were being but, catfished. Yeah. I was, yeah, probably being <laughs> catfished because it was really weird. So uh, obviously that didn't get printed, but that was the story of that book. Yeah, yeah, because you didn't you didn't have like Skype and webcams and things no, like that. that so was this was all in, done in the yeah. Zumwalt, please stand up. Did did he say his favorite game that he did was Predator? I can't Uh, remember that far back. Because I think we had a fake one, too, I think, now that you mention it. (laughs) Really? No way that could be your favorite game that you wrote. (laughs) (laughs) I will say, when I was doing research for the Coco Games page, too, I also contacted that other Greg Zumwalt, because he was claiming he was hiding from the law, and he was, you know, and and spy stuff and all kinds of crap going on. Yeah. So, yeah, I I didn't print that one, obviously, but some of the answers just didn't make sense. Uh, yeah, I had the same experience when I was trying to get some stuff done with him too. That was a very it's good book. Probably, I've enjoyed. I, I haven't read it completely yet, though, but I've enjoyed reading it so far. So it's a nice contribution. So very good. Yeah. Now, Nick, do you have any plans to publish that again for people that uh, weren't around Penfest two thousand? Not or even really. At least the electronic version or something. I, I I do have the electronic. I have given the electronic one out to a few people who really wanted it. So I do that for free. Um, I'm, I, no plans to print it out. I, I made that one all up uh, by hand. Uh, I, I remember I was at work and I actually used the work printers and and uh, and everything there. So I kept my costs right down in producing that. <laughs> <laughs> like, the savings on to you. That's right. Wow, I needed uh, that return ticket, didn't I? <laughs> yeah. Kept the cost down I think to you someone else. You stole a stapler else. too, didn't you? <laughs> I was just wondering. I did. I was just wondering if you wanted to upload it to the archive or something so other people, because it is a fairly rare book, unless you were at Penfest. Well, yeah, I might be. I'll I'll have to dig it up and uh, yeah, okay, I'll 
See if yeah. I can find it. <laughs> what's, that, what's that one service where you can have books printed on demand? Yeah, like, like Lulu, Lulu or, or something yeah. like that. Yeah, that's Bruce, yeah, 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 that's an idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Lulu. That's right, Lulu. You can Lulu. pay for us to send you home again. There you go. I could, I could even pay to stay home. Yeah, we could just pay you to not leave. (laughs) (laughs) Second edition includes David Ladd interview. Uh, There There you go. go. Fourteen volumes. There's an entire (laughs) copy drive. There's an entire paragraph on Diet Dr Pepper. That's right. Yeah, that's an extra hundred pages. We can start a GoFundMe to uh, put a wall around Nick Morenti so he can't leave Australia. So there. <laughs> Buck off. <laughs> Buck off. <laughs> it's going to be a wall guarded by killer wallabies. Yes. That's yeah, cool. Anyway. That's a slice of history, though. There's little yeah. things like this. Yeah, that is neat. Um, Brian, if you ever see those again, I wouldn't mind having a physical copy if you happen to come across those. Where did come you find them? that? Shoot me a DM. Um, there's a gentleman I've been in contact with here. Um, I'll just leave it at that. Um, I'm going to be doing some <laughs> other stuff. So, um, I just don't know if he wants me to say his name at this time. So, but there's a gentleman I've been working with, um, on acquiring some books that he has. So, but uh, fair enough. You found it from an individual. I didn't know if it an individual out on yep. eBay somewhere. No, this was an individual. This was not an eBay find. No. Okay. So, yep. That that that's all I that's all I wanted to know. Yep. I want no one of those radios. How 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 common are they? Oh, they're fairly common out there. If you do, uh, if you do a search under uh, under Radio Shack, they're out okay. there. Okay, mm-hmm. yeah, I'd love to get one of those. Okay, cool. All right. Well, that was one. Are you? Are you? Do you have more to show, uh, Brian Weasler? Oh, I have some other things I could show, but I usually kind of ration it out here a little bit. I don't want to take it every dozen. Okay. All right. <laughs> but I'll, you don't no, want to make us too jealous. That's what you're too, that's too jealous. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so no, I can wait on some other stuff there. So but, uh, okay. Yeah. Um, who else had an update? Rick Eulin, did you mention? Well, yeah, I've been. Uh, you might remember a while back I was talking about teaching myself KiCad and so on. And uh, Mark Overholzer actually mentioned that uh, Apple had a really cool gizmo that manages the TCPI stack all by itself, and it seemed like a really good fit for the Coco. So I've been playing with that. And uh, let's see. Can I just – you cannot share a screen. Can uh-huh. I throw my screen up? Go ahead. And give you a- Try it again. Okay, let's see. We are moving forward, and I'll go to my little. So I'd already been working on the Fast 232 as teaching myself KiCad, and uh, he mentioned the WizNet 5100 might fit, and it does make a cute ROM pack, right? Okay. Yeah, so um, here's the prototype, and it took so long to get these printed, big drama over the WizNet and availability and so forth that I designed a case while I was at it. So <laughs> I actually got in my uh, my design thing. Um, got it in, and here's an action shot. The chip covers so much of the Ethernet protocol that with no driver or nothing, you just power it up, and we've got a physical link, and, oh, the thing won't even play. And we've got uh, activity lights going. So wow. pretty confident the chip is actually running. Okay. So will this allow um allow us to have network networked games? Well, yeah, program? native network access. Now there's a problem with security. You ain't gonna be doing no SSL on a Coco unless we can find some way to offload the load. 
but you know, like a dark net connection between Cocos on the internet and stuff would be possible. I want a standalone network solution. And this is what I'm going for here. Um, of course it doesn't work. So I've got two prototypes where I blew off all of the serial port chips because this has the 550 and the WizNet. So I took off all the serial port chips on one and all of the network chips on the other one, and we're getting there. Um, I had to draw my own Cocoa footprint for the edge card connector, and of course I screwed it up. So as you can see, the bottom was neither tin nor desolder masked. Okay. So Oops. I whipped out my... <laughs> yeah. So I whipped out my favorite electronics tool, the belt sander, and uh, (laughs) removed the solder mask and tin-plated the things and stuck it in my little case, which needs no fasteners. I like the 3D printing is really nice that way. And uh, there's my thing. Um, Had to do a few bodges. The chip's way too fast for the Cocoa Bus, so we had to delay. I had to throw the Q-Clock in to delay the chip select and that still may not be enough i may still have to futz with it some more but the real problem was the serial port which is a design that i made 25 years ago and i still screwed it up um so let's see yeah this was quite a painful bodge to make because there's the physical actual chip and there's the wire connection i had to do wow wow (laughs) that's like trying to splice hair yeah, pretty much. Your, your solder Curtis's hair. Just, <laughs> yeah, I, I do it in large clumps, so it's a lot easier. I <laughs> know oh, individual hairs. It's 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 a lot. Just call that uh, fly wire. Yeah, wow. Exactly. So um, that's where we're at. It's sort of working. There's something funky. I don't think it's happy where it's sitting on the bus right now, in terms of timing. But this is going to be fixable. Um, Mark has generously thrown himself into the vat of whatever this is to try to make drive wire go. Okay. So um, this is an ethernet and a serial card in one. Yeah. The idea was I, I had already, I'd done the fast two thirty two years ago and I have a existing driver binary for that. So I figured, okay, that will prove the majority of the design if the serial port works. And then I just threw the, uh, I mean, the thing's the size of a postage stamp compared to the original Fast 232, yeah. which filled the entire thing up. So yeah. while you're at it, let's uh, take our prototype money and throw this extra board in. And uh, it's pretty much working. So that's what I've been going on for the last couple of months when I had nothing to update. It's because I've mm-hmm. been beating my head against this particular brick wall. And uh, now, A quick question for you. You mentioned that that uh, 5100 does not support SSL, correct? SSH or anything? Uh, it, it does no encryption on its own. You have to do that yourself. Um, is there does, an, an auxiliary chip or a different version of that chip that does support that? Since I, I, am searching, I am searching for something like that now because that would really, I mean, then you could, it, yeah. Yeah, then you, you could make a web browser of some sort, links or something. But without SSL, all you could do is like darknet cocoa connections on the internet. But still, it's a standalone network solution. If we can get it working, that uh, you know, Coco with nothing else can just kind of hook up to your AT and T wireless and do its thing. Add a real time clock, it'll be perfect. 
I've still got three bytes, four bytes IO left, so. <laughs> <laughs> now, David Ladd asked on the chat there, he said, what about the WizNet 6100? I don't know what exactly the difference is with that chip. But. That mainly gives you IPv6, which doesn't seem to be going anywhere. I mean, it's not mandatory. You got vendor subnetting and so forth to cover that need. Um, okay, so it has nothing to do with secure connections. That's it won't it won't like help us in any meaningful way. It adds features that the Cocoa. I mean, it, you can have eight sockets instead of four. <laughs> if the Cocoa can handle four sockets at once, I would love it. You know, yeah. <laughs> I mean that would be that would be pushing. Um, so yeah, I don't I don't know that, but they're all kind of compatible. So anything that we made for the 5100 would be directly applicable to the 6100 in a future update. Um, but for right now, I'm just I'm just trying to get the wired net, wired Ethernet going, and then put a Wi-Fi module on top of that. And cool. you know, there's still cool. room right about here for a clock. <laughs> <laughs> I was only kidding, but anyway. <laughs> well, you know, everything's got to have the potential for a clock. Yeah, I actually get it. And yeah, I'd like to play with a Gal chip instead of using all these discrete ICs. To, I mean, this is a design straight out of the nineties. You know, ands and nands and inverters. Um, anyway, let's see. I need to get back to. I don't know how to unshare myself. I can do that. Okay. Yeah, my my screen goes away. Okay. Okay. Perfect. Well, anyway, that's been what I've been working on for the last December. Very yeah. cool. Very cool. Thanks for sharing. Looking forward to that. Uh, who else has an update or acquisition or story to share? Anything, anyone? Uh oh, Sloopy, Sloopy Malibu, everybody has something to share. Greetings. Do you want the updates or acquisitions first? Uh, listen, give me the bad news, the bad news, and then the bad news. <laughs> okay. Well, first, my acquisitions. I got a package. Now we all sit here and watch uh, uh, Brian every week with his uh, few acquisitions every week, and I'm sure there's always one that gets away from him, and this is one of them. (laughs) 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 Dun dun dun! Six oh, Lance A. Leventhal. Okay. Yes. I thought he already has a book, and. I got this for $8 shipped. Wow. wow. Nice. That's a lot better shape than mine. Mine's falling apart. Yeah. yeah. It's not that great. I mean, it's. <laughs> you want me to get mine? Little... I'd have to bring it out in chunks, but. Yeah. Anyone got the 6309 version? <laughs> <laughs> then I got this, but it's nothing special. It's just a bunch of uh, heat shrink tubing. Yeah, it's been done. Yeah, it's, that's old. <laughs> it's okay. so old that there's some people that have over 600 feet of it. I'm not going to name names or anything. Oh, not anymore. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right. My not other acquisition. I made a nice, beautiful boxing video, uh, unboxing video of it. And there was an issue, and there's no sound on it. So I won't be able to, to uh, do that. Unless you just if want to narrate it yourself. If everyone wants to... Uh, see it i can show it next week and put so either narrated or put okay. some audio on it yeah you can uh, narrate it live right now if you wanted to well 
I'm not ready to do that. Okay. <laughs> okay. That's fine. Because, well, I'll explain it shortly. Okay. But my, my other uh, acquisition is I got a nice Coco 2 with disk drive. Coco 2, looks, now with disk drive. It looks like it's split open. Yeah. Yes. I'll get to that shortly. Okay. That's and a 502 controller. Yep. Mm-hmm. I got a 502 controller, a 501 disk drive, and a Coco 2, the um, 64K. It's the 2A version if you look at the schematics, which just basically means it has a single uh, um, ROM in it. Now, this leads into the other thing is, and why it's cracked open slightly. As, as I've uh, been doing updates for, the, uh, for my dr- internal drive wire board, I uh, wanted this specific version because I can also put it in this one too. And let me change my camera. You're getting fancy here, Sloopy. Look at that. He just switched cameras, everybody. How did you do that? (laughs) How is that even possible? So, the toggle switch of some kind. Oh. (laughs) All right. So it turns on, and it's a little blurry to see, but I do see an OK prompt and a something, something. Yeah, a little. Oh, there's disc, a little extra code there. Basic. Okay. Now, notice there's nothing plugged into it. Nothing plugged in. You can just kind of okay. see your... Nothing up my go. sleeve. Yeah, we can see the back of your nothing head. Nothing on the back of your head. Nothing on the back oh, of your head there, Slurpee. Yeah. <laughs> oh, a little fringe at the bottom. There. Yeah. No cartridge plugged no in. No cartridge plugged in. Nothing up your sleeve. Nothing. No cables plugged into the back except for video. I like Presto. the way that opens. And power. And we, you can see. Yeah, let me see if I can. Uh, yeah, we can't really read the screen. Start, so. so you can see it a little bit better. Yeah, if you dim the monitor brightness down, we should be able to read it. Deck B and HDB. But wait, there's more. Yeah, right. Mm. Ah. Okay, that's 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 better. Now we can't read any. Yeah, yeah. This is this, <laughs> this is an exercise. This is a, this is an exercise. And do I need new glasses? <laughs> okay, now Stevie, better one, better two. <laughs> okay, now it's okay. It's back to it's back to how it was before. So that's that's a step in the a direction. Uh, oh, I can see the half of the screen when the menu is over. Yeah, if you turn down some of the brightness, that might help out a little bit. Or okay, it's a little uh, I think that's what we do every off. week on this show, isn't it? We turn yeah, down the brightness. A little bit. It's a little bit better. It's not great. A little better. But, and it is what it is. Well, if you, if you if you stand if you step back and squint, it looks okay. Yeah, yeah. So All just right. just move on to what you're going to do. We'll, I see we'll, a dolphin. Yeah, you can at least somewhat <laughs> see it. Yeah, I just, see. Just H- relax H- your eyes. HDB DOS something works. something. Yes. HDB DOS version 1.5. Okay. For the Coco 2. Okay. D I O P dip dur dur dur. Is that a dur or dip? Okay. I O R. Ah. One second. Okay. We have to uh, run uh, drive wire on the PC. Drive wire. Drive wire. wire. TTL. TTL. ESP. RS two three two. And we have that load. And drink. ESP eighty one. 06-01 um, oh, What is the Android on it? <laughs> hey We are connecting And then 
Without a cable? There's no cable on this thing. Wait a second. So you're saying this is drive wire without the wire? Yeah, so it's drive. It's drive wireless. Drive wireless. Yeah, I don't know. And and how how do you how do you um, how okay. do you format the text? Where is the capital letter? All right. So this one wireless? now it's actually legible. Now that we're Ooh. in the uh, yes. uh, artifact mode. Okay. So you turn right, no hands. You, you turned on the cocoa without a cartridge. You boot it up into HDB DOS with your internal mod, and now you've connected the drive wire without any wires. So. Inquiring minds want to know how is that even possible? All right, that's my what leads, leads us to, uh, That's what leads us to the uh, where it's disconnected. Since obviously my head is uh, blocking it, let me uh, move stuff around slightly. Drive quick. wireless. So. I don't know. We, we gotta we gotta right, look at that. We're on Twitch. We're on Twitch, okay, but are we on YouTube? Who cares? <laughs> I just got a notification. Let's see. Yes, we're on YouTube. Are we on YouTube? I'm seeing yes, this on YouTube. Yes. Mikey says yes. Okay. All right, so we're on the air. All right. So we're trying it again for the second time, for the third time, for the final time, for the last time. Who the hell knows? Once, um, twice, three times a lady. Okay, David Craker says YouTube is good. Okay. So, all right. So somewhere along the way, we were asking the question, how are you able to get drive wire without a wire? And then things went uh, downhill. Now we're back uphill. All righty. So this is the internal of my uh, Coco 2. Okay. And we have... Unfortunately, it's not uh, focusing too well, but we have these two boards. This is what allows the drive wire to be internal. Okay. It includes the uh, the color basic, extended color basic that is standard firmware, and then it adds um, options. You can see the uh, rotary switch here, maybe, mm-hmm. and that gives you a choice of HDB DOS for the Coco 2, HDB DOS for the Coco 3, and YA DOS. There, you select which one. You can mount this external. This board is just for development purposes. Okay. And this board over here, which goes under the PIA, connects a ESP8266-01. Dash Dash module to the to the uh, Bitbanger port. When this is enabled and in there, the Bitbanger port on the rear of the machine is disconnected. The second revision of the board will allow you to switch between the accessing this and accessing that. And that is a Wi-Fi module. And that is a Wi-Fi module. That is what actually connects. And you can put one of two firmwares on there. One is the ESP link, which is required for you to uh, access DriveWire wirelessly, or uh, a gentleman by the name of Bo Zimmerman in the Commodore universe has made a special firmware that makes it uh, emulate a uh, modem where you can actually connect out to other um, sites for Telnet for, like, BBSs and such. So Telnet BBSing, so it's just ATDT space IP address or host name. Right. Yeah. Um, now, and without getting too deep into the weeds, because this is just a chip and it's just a board, how do you connect this to your... 
SSID and uh, password. What's the procedure? What's the thirty-second answer to that question? How do I how do I join us to my home network? Basically, the configuration of that is done via uh, HTML in a web page. You have to when when you first set it up, you have to connect to it because it acts as an access. Oh, it acts as its own hotspot. Okay, so yeah. you, you give yourself Back a static to IP and you connect you to it. it. Yep, you set it all up, put the configuration in it, and then every time it starts up, it uses that configuration. So can you set it to be in like DHCP mode where it just gets on your computer and gets its own IP address? Uh, yes. Or you can give it a static IP if you want to be able to manage it and all that kind of stuff? That is correct. Okay, we're getting into IT talk at this point. Okay, but that, you answered my question and that's good enough for now. Okay, cool. Um, so you know... That not only does this work in a Cocoa 2, but it also works in a Cocoa 3. Wow. As you can see the board here. Okay. That is pretty nifty. So we are, we've got built-in DriveWire-capable DOS without a cartridge or a multi-pack. So it's an internal HDB DOS or insert DOS of your choice here, um, doohickey. And if that wasn't good enough, wait, there's more. We can now not only connect to um, DriveWire with a wire, but with this one, you could dri connect to DriveWire wirelessly as well. Yes. Um, just so you know, the, uh, the board, you can also do wired, which you can, instead of connecting the wireless module, you can actually connect a TTL to... Um, TTL, USB, USB, adapter, RS-232. So that yeah. if you can't use Wi-Fi or you don't want to use Wi-Fi, you prefer a wire, you can install this, connect that to the board instead, and then just use a USB wire. And the benefit of this, well, either this or using the the, uh, the wireless module, is if you're in a Coco One, Normally, because of the drive electronics for the RS-232, you're only limited to 38.4. Okay. With this, you'll, you'll be able to do the full 57.6, just like the Coco 2 does. So that makes it like a USB serial adapter, essentially. Yes. Okay. Um, and by the way, what I'm doing here is what's known as Steve-splaining. I have to say things in a way that I can understand them. Um, I need information steve 's plain to me where it makes sense to me, and that way, if I can reiterate something then anybody should theoretically understand what the hell 's going on here Basically, uh, you need to cut it up into eight bits at a time yes instead of a full thirty two or actually four bits let's just let 's do some nibbles here um, okay that is cool that is a cool project I know a lot of people have been talking about this, and people are implementing these different ways some of those ways are have been external to the cocoa. Your way right now is doing it all internal. Um, I would imagine because there are many versions of Cocoa motherboards and the layouts and the arrangements and the clearances, uh, you're probably going to have to, there's not going to be a one size fits all for this, but there might be a few sizes. I'm working on having it so that there is only two or one board. There can be only one. Yes. Okay. And the, um, later this week, I will start shipping boards for the Cocoa 2A and for the Cocoa 3. And that's really cool, Sloopy. I'm not really a hardware-savvy guy, but I'm able to follow this, and I can understand it. And more importantly, I, I appreciate it. And even though this is something I'm not sure I would do too much myself, I do think it's really cool. And I think a lot of people will think this is cool and actually want to do this. 
And so I'm not passing my own personal judgment on something just because I don't want to do it. But I think it's cool. And it's very, very cool. Yep. yep. Um, I've Quite a few people have contacted me about this, um, especially people who predominantly like to play games and people who prefer to use um, DriveWire. But drive because wire. of space limitations or because of where the things are located, the wireless is a a uh, very good solution for their yeah 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 because the one thing that was always scratching in the back of my mind was okay i understand this is a wi-fi module but how the hell do you get this module on your wi-fi what's you know it seems like it's a chicken egg situation how do you do it and you answered that question and you did you did it pretty quick you, did, well, you didn't do the david ladd approach you <laughs> <David was, laughs> well first we have hours. to start yeah, yeah. the, the show the show is only the show is only uh, two to four hours long we don't have enough for full david ladd explanation yeah Yes, I need a Steve explanation. Then, you yes. know, easy to digest. So, um, okay, cool, cool. Anything else? Um, nope, that's about it. Okay. Unfortunately, I'm not uh, too organized because in order to get, to get the uh, Coco Two, I had to trade a uh, a Commodore One Twenty Eight for it, and just before I was about to box it up the ship it decided that the full moon was the right time to die. And actually for the last two days, I've been working on that, getting it ready for the person who's going to receive it and who sent me the cocoa. Okay, cool. But yes, that that is a neat project. And I know you're not a stranger to hardware, but you are somewhat new to the cocoa community. So the fact that you've already got all these projects going on, like out of the box, and these are very cool projects that I think a lot of people would actually want to, you know, get their hands on and, and, and utilize. That's that's just really cool that you kind of jumped into this community and just started doing that kind of stuff. And I say that to give you a pat on the back, and I'm not saying it to make anybody else feel like, well, I, I didn't do any hard work, and I still be in the club. And yeah, you don't need to make hardware <laughs> to be in the yeah. community, but it's still kind of cool that Ooh. there are folks that do. So, yes. uh, if anyone is interested in getting one of these, they can contact me on. Uh, on the Discord or on Facebook, um, my uh, full my name on uh, Facebook is uh, Chris Lucky. The uh, I'm sure you'll put the uh, my name on the uh, on the uh, description in the video. Okay, or you will, anyways, when you do when you yes. do that. So <laughs> <laughs> yes, I do. Uh, okay, so cool. Thank you, Sloopy Malibu, for that project update that is literally a very cool project that is neat and it's kind of like the mcx 32 thing it's like i don't need it i'll probably won't use it that much but i might end up getting these confounded things from it just so i can say you know what i got it and screw you i got it right so <laughs> between this project and rick's there we we should be able to get into some yeah we got games here yeah. soon right Man. I'm looking for. I'm looking forward to Rick's uh, project with the uh, Ethernet. You know what I'm really, what I really hope I can do. The holy grail of Coco networking would be to have a couple of NICs plugged into the same switch and do an STP shutdown and bring down the entire network with my Coco, just because I can. So. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So, so that already happened in the show, so it's well. Yeah, that's true. Right. So. Is there room so, to add a real time clock? <laughs> the room hey. for a real time clock in there, Sloopy. Uh, no, you just have to use you have to use STP. You have to use NTP protocol. NTP. Okay, so cool. Who else has a project update or acquisition or story to share? Um, anyone? Anyone? Bueller. Bueller. 
Uh, going once, going twice. Uh, Qui-Gon. Yes. We have not heard from you on the show in quite some quite some time, so maybe you don't have a recent update or acquisition, but how have you been? What have you been up to? Anything you want to let the folks at home know about Michael Brandt, what he's been doing in his hobbies, how's his world, has his life, anything like that? Well, I guess I've never actually really been on the show, huh? So, but I think I pretty much know everybody in in here. But uh, I think you have. You might have been on an after dark. You've probably you've had to have been on a Coco Talk at least once in the past <laughs> four years. There's no, no way. No, no, no. Only time I've ever been on your stream was when I was in that room you're sitting in. Oh, ah, okay. All right. Which was pre Coco Talk days. Yeah. But uh, but yeah. So right now I'm kind of not working because I caught that dang coronavirus with a lime. What's that? <laughs> With a lime? <laughs> I wish, right? But, oh, yeah. What, what about your uh, new acquisition you just got Friday? Well, it's a non-Cocoa acquisition. That's okay. But it is a acquisition I got from Sloopy. Sloopy! They got me a, a new point. Commodore, well, new to me, Commodore 64, a Pi 1541, a couple of cartridges, um, and... Uh, what else came with that, Sloopy? Oh, well, I'm still waiting on the video cables, Sloopy, but that's... But, but yeah, Sloopy sent me a good one. He installed Jimmy Doss in it with a switch, so... Cool. That's kind of nice. But yeah, so I've been just kind of lounging around for the past month out of... You know, not working right now because of... Uh, and that's what, yeah, because usually you're not even available on Saturdays because of your 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 work makes keeps you busy, right? Yeah. So. Although, I believe when I go back to work, I'll actually be off on Fridays and Saturdays. Oh, good. So, that'll be nice. Very cool. Does anyone else have an update, an acquisition, story to share? Anyone, anyone, anyone? I have two quick things I can show off. If I'll save myself for last. Are we done? Are we done with the updates and acquisitions segment? Oh, oh, oh hold on. Mark Bosley, everybody. Let's bring on the spotlight. Mark Bosley. You go ahead, I sir. I got some solder. Ooh, it's Radio Shack solder too. Yep. Yeah, there you go. Got it from uh, Amazon. Rosin core solder. 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 It's got lead in it. Mm-hmm. Yep. Is this new stock or is this old stock? New old stock or new new stock? I don't know. It was on Amazon. Okay. Okay. So distributed by General Wireless Operations, Fort Worth, Texas. Okay. Yeah, it's Radio Shack. Yeah, it's it's lead tin or tin lead sixty forty. Yeah. Yep. It's uh, it's pretty yummy. You just lick on it, you know. Oh wow, interesting. What, what's it's in them boxes? California. What's in them boxes back there? Back behind where me. behind me? Yeah. See, look. I think that's classified, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, there's uh, three floppy drives in my OS nine book over there. Uh, the other boxes are uh, hard drives waiting to go out to somebody as soon as they open the Canadian border. Okay. What? You got to wait. Games. You have to wait. Yeah, because they can't get back in the states. Wow. Okay. All right. Well, that's that. That concludes the what's in Mark Bosley's uh, shelf segment of the show. Everybody. Um, cool. I got two quick things to show. One of them is I- I'm actually sitting in, so I'll just uh, I'll spotlight this real quick. But um, 
I got one of those fancy schmancy chairs, one of these kind of, they're kind of like gaming chairs. I didn't buy it because it's a gaming chair. I bought it because it seemed kind of comfortable. Unlike most gaming chairs, this one has a mesh back, and I'm a big fan of the mesh backs because the, the leather and the fake leather, when you sit in a long time, makes me sweat. So this is a very comfortable, very adjustable chair. It's got an adjustable lumbar pillow. I didn't buy it because it had the racing stripes or any of those douchey things. I just bought it because it was on sale, and it was a good chair, and it was comfortable. And it does kind of look kind of cool, but that's not why I bought it. Don't BS us. We know you bought it for the race for the really no. cool And then the other thing, I, this is not a Coco project, but this is the new Xbox Series X. This is the latest, greatest, next generation gaming console that's very hard to get, somewhat um, obtainium. And so I got one, and um, and it's nice. I'll just say that it's a little bit. It's it's kind of like this is the Gimme X of Xboxes, right? It's got more colors, more power, more speed. It can do more than the other Xboxes. Uh, and it does have an X in its title. It's the Xbox Series X, so it's kind of tied in. It's made by Microsoft, which is a tie into the Coco, and it's got an X. Gimme X. Boom. All right. So, there you so go. So is it any better than your 2600? Ah, uh, no, no. It cannot. Um, yes. Does it no have an ET game? Yeah. It, it does, you know, with rising entertainment costs. It, it, I can play uh, four different versions of Squash on it. <laughs> Six versions of Pong. Yes. Um, all right, so we're going to take a commercial break, and when we come back, we're going to be in one of Nick Marota's favorite parts of the show. And by the way, thank you, everybody, for coming back. We had a technical difficulty. We lost the internet. We lost the stream. We had to start and restop a few times, and the audience is here. And that is a testament to the loyalty of our audience. And we appreciate you guys for being here and putting up with us, even when we don't have technical difficulties. I know it's a lot to handle under normal conditions. You know, you used to throw in a curveball. You guys are still here. So thank you. We appreciate you. You are the reason why we are here. Um, so we're going to do Nick's favorite segment. And um, as we do that, we're going to play a commercial break. And I want to see what we have not. We've done Coco Do, haven't we? Have we done Coco Do? Um, I think it's been a little while. Has it been a little while since we've done the Coco Do? Uh, all right. So we are going to go ahead and run a Coco Do commercial. And then we'll be back with a brand new uh, Coco Thoughts from Samuel Gimes. We'll have the Game On results with Nick Morota, the high score Game On Challenge, and some Game On news with Al Curtis Boyle. And we'll be back with more Coco Talk, that other Coco Talk show, after these words, everybody. Coco Talk will return after these messages. Un ordinateur couleur qui a de la personnalité. Le Coco 2 de Radio Sac. On solde pour Noël à partir de 149,95. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. If you're using your color computer in Quebec and it stops working, is it now a Coco won't do? Hi, Ron Delvaux, Timberman. 
Cocoa Fest. Cocoa Talk. In a world where RGB produces black and white video, one cable can make a difference. Coco3scartcable.com Hey, have you got your Coco3 yet? Hi, this is Rick Adams, author of Temple of Rom and Shanghai, and you've tuned into Coco Talk, the nation's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. What's going on, everybody? Original Gamer Stevie Stroh here. And if you're a fan of vintage computing and retro gaming, then you're going to love our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. There you will find custom designs by Instagram artist Joel M. Adams. You can get I'm a Coconut, Coco Talk, and other cool video game images on a t-shirt, coffee mug, or mouse pack. So if you love retro, then head on over to the retro swag shop at 8bit256.com today. Tell them the Original Gamer Stevie Stroh sent you. Radio Shack Storewide Manager's Red Tag Sale is on now. We've slashed prices 20%, 30%, 40%, 50%. Save on famous Radio Shack Hi-Fi, car stereo, radios, toys, TV games, calculators, walkie-talkies, and CB radios. Look for the big red tag. Save like never before on these and literally hundreds of red tag specials. Hurry into Radio Shack today. Hi, this is Randy Kindig of the Floppy Days Podcast. I just love me some cocoa, and nobody covers it better than Steve Strobridge. You're listening to Coco Talk. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Scrolling, 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 system bus patrolling. Data bugs have strolled and drawn <laughs> through cells and banks and dead ends. Those bugs are not friends. Aiming and shooting and they died. Power units missing. Success chance dismissing. Hope exit is found to turn the tide. Find the bugs. Shoot them up. Hit the bugs. Kill them dead. Step on up. Find power. And drone. Find more bugs. Stand <laughs> on up. Fire Make them hurt. Find exit. Ride on out. And drone. Oh, man. <laughs> it is not every Yeehaw. day. It's not every day you're able to do a parody of Rawhide, which is what that was for the kids at home who aren't familiar with songs from the 70s. But, yeah, that was good. Another Samuel Gimes. What he does is he not only comes up with a cute, clever, and talented song parody, but then he also manages to tie it into the game that we're playing this week. So it's just kind of a win, 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 win. We all win. When Samuel Gimes creates, the world wins. Thank you, Samuel, for that. Anybody have any other thoughts about that? You know what? Screw it. Let's play it again. That was good. Let's hear this one again. One more time! (laughs) And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Scrollin', 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 system bus patrolling. data bugs have strollin' and drawn, through cells and banks and dead ends, those bugs are not friends, aimin' and shootin' and they died. 
power units missing. Success chance dismissing. Hope exit is bound to turn the tide. Find the bugs. Shoot them up. Hit the bugs. Kill them dead. Step one up. Find power and drone. Find more bugs. Aim on up. Fire gun. Make them hurt. Find exit. Ride on out and drone. All we're missing is Belushi with the whip. Or the buzzing sound when the damn bugs hit you. Ah, yes. All right. Well, that was the latest hit from Samuel Gimes. And let's go ahead and roll the intro graphic and get ready for one of Nick Marotta's favorite part of the show is where his name is mentioned at least once, at least twice, maybe even it's in thrice. The contract. Here we go. All right, and welcome to another week of results. This week we played Androm with 17 scores submitted. Ellen Murphy, 305. David Ladd, 545. Mr. Dave, 6309, 845. Ben Vieira Drakes, 2785. Nathan, 3120. Tom C., 4630. Tazman, 7250. 8 Bits in the Basement, 7,215. Just Mike, 7,995. Damon Beals, 9,430. And the number one score this week belongs to our very own Buck Owens with 36,000. What a distance there. All right. Thank you for I got a sound clip for that. all the fantastic scores. I know you do. All right. Coco Talk salutes Buck Owens. Yeah. <laughs> Y'all come that goes back well now. with the rawhide. It uh, did. It did. Nice. Yeah. Yes, I know you have that at the ready, so I didn't have to. I didn't have to hint around this week that there was a spoiler. But yeah, Buck Owens playing a different game than the rest of us, apparently. Um, <laughs> all right, so I'm going to. Oh, sorry, I'm not quite uh, on the ball here. All right, I'm gonna. Good job, screen. Buck Owens. All right. You can do it, Nick. I believe so, in you. Yes, it should be sharing. Do you see it? Almost. It says you've started sharing your screen. Yeah, what's the hold up? Hold up. Wait a minute. Um, I don't know. It, it says you have started. There. Hey, there we go. All right, I had to think about it. Hey, what baud rate are you connected at today? Um, I got a 1200 baud modem. <laughs> I, just, I just upgraded from 300. All right. Woohoo. I can I can surf like crazy now. All right, so uh, there's the scores from Rainbow. 40,000. Swaddling. Matthew W. And Buck Swaddling. almost made it that far, so. Oh. So it does seem possible, yes. And the review, they liked the game. A fun Both. way to zap bugs. Yes. 
So uh, yeah, they, they said it was a good game. They thought it was. Uh, they said it was a good difficulty level. If you, they said if you're like an arcade uh, aficionado, maybe a little bit on the easy side. I'm not sure. I agree with that, but, uh, but it's, at the beginning, said, maybe. But it definitely gets harder. Yeah, definitely. So uh, thanks again. We have a couple of video clips this week. Our first one is from Canadian Retro Things. Check out his channel where he does Coco stuff. And uh, he again, he featured the, the game on uh, Game of the Week. Very so, nice. Uh, so yeah, I, I really enjoyed this game. I used to play it as a kid. And I don't think I fully used the compass as a kid. I, found, I thought it was a lot more difficult as a, as a kid. But to playing now, uh, it was definitely easy to navigate the maps. The challenging part was when you may turn a corner and the bugs are there and yeah, they they have an unfair advantage. They are already on the offensive before you can even react defensively. So basically, what I did was had the joystick position low and to the right, and finger on the button ready to to, to shoot. That was the, that was the only thing I could really do. Uh, but the the namases themselves, uh, the compass was definitely a uh, needed thing because you end up with lots of dead ends and, and that sort of thing. But um, and then the markers, of course, helps you know when you're reaching uh, going to a new area. So, and the um, mazes get bigger as you progress levels up to a certain point too. So they, they do, eh? Yeah, I think I made it to the third level, third mazes as far as I've gotten. Um, so yes, I thought this was a really enjoyable game, and I, I'll definitely add it to my repertoire of uh, pick up and play games. Yeah, and then each level you have to get you get another power pack. So you have to get like one on the first level, then two on the second, three on the third, four on the fourth, etc. And luckily, those give you a fair amount of uh, of energy back. And I found the bugs didn't zap that much each bite, but it seemed to. But still, I ended up dying. <laughs> so <laughs> must have been enough. Yeah, well, you and Bucky, have basically the only strategy I have for Andron is the same one you guys came across. That when you turn a corner and you see bugs, they almost always attack you from the lower right quarter of the screen so if you kind of turn the corner and then immediately position your joystick somewhere around there you can at least have a chance to get them i really like the effect when the bugs hit you yeah the screen shakes yeah yeah canyon climber style yeah it looked like it was switching to video modes and such like i don't it wasn't drawing it was switching up the video modes that the that's exactly got contorted yeah so uh i thought same as the canyon climber when you blow up the dynamite on the canyon Oh, is that how it does it? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it was a, it was a good effect. And uh, even though even though Dungeons of Dagorath used keyboard, it had me wishing that Dungeons of Dagorath worked with joystick as well. If you've tried Theragad, you know why it, it doesn't. <laughs> oh, okay. The one thing I didn't like, and the review actually mentioned this too, was you cannot go backwards. Yes, so, that, oh. that is a bit annoying. I kind of wished you could. Yeah, you had to turn around and, and walk away. Now, so. um, this is slightly off topic, but one of the things that's been updated in MAME is that Lua scripting engine that uh, Tim Lindner used to do a Timberbot thing. Um, it would probably be possible to script something for Dungeons of Daggerath where you could, if you had a controller, you could map certain buttons to do like attack right, attack left, and you could map, you know, move forward um, to certain things on your modern controller in an emulator. Um, so you might be able to controllerize Daggerath with some external help. Then we'll have to see Ben use it with his VR system. Yeah. I think Ben alluded to the fact he did, did he not? But he, he was going to post video, but I didn't see any posted. 
So I believe that he said he did that. But yeah, yeah he said be... he was going to post a video of this one with the VR, I think, into Discord. Yeah, and even but like there's certain like you custom. Might have done that before. Um, yeah, there are certain custom mice and other types of control pads that are basically USB keyboards that you can set macros to certain magic buttons on these little devices too. So that might be that might be an option. But Ben's saying he's got that video in Discord right now. Oh, okay, of him uh, oh. doing a VR of Dagarath. Okay. Okay, so yeah, check out. The, is it in the Game On channel? You'll have to check. And if you get a chance, if you want to jump on and talk about that, uh, explore VR. So uh, yeah, it is a neat game. Um, I, I the thing that triggered my memory on this is as I was going through the I'm a Coconut YouTube channel, which is one I created a while ago and then kind of put on the back burner. This was one of the first videos I did when I was trying to do a reboot of all my Coco videos. Um, I tried a different format where I went through the manual, I explained the game. I did, you know, I did things differently than my usual talk over a game without a clue format. You read and manuals? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So um, I, <laughs> yeah, I did. It's a shame re- that didn't last. Yeah, it was a one-off. All right. Yeah. So. <laughs> Sorry, Explore VR. I always download the videos ahead of time because I find trying to stream the videos uh, live doesn't work so well with my connection. So I, if if the video had been up earlier, I would have been able to download it and, and show it off. But unfortunately. Uh, wasn't possible so uh so yeah if you're on discord definitely check that out and if you're not on discord you should be because we do right. a lot of cool things so who discord. else played the game who's got tips tricks who's got opinions feedback stories to share love it hate it i know tom c said it was a weird game yeah in his comments uh, somebody thought that the enemies looked a little bit like uh, some of the enemies in Doom. Interesting. Um, and and the whole, you know, first-person corridor. Wondered if there was some connection there, but I don't believe there is. It was. It's definitely was uh, lots of points for originality. Uh, the scrolling is fast too. Mm-hmm. Like the 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 uh, turning, I thought was faster than uh, Daggerath. I, I know, just got hit there. there. Right. Okay. Yeah, what the hell are those I just guys? added the video because uh, he actually has it linked on YouTube too. So uh, when we get to the game on news here, I'll actually play Ben's video. Okay, wow. good. And the, so Mark Overhorse has been trying to get back in the call. You guys are all yeah. He's having some computer issues. Oh, well, I, I can't really right now. I'm I have no of... idea what that's like. Um... <laughs> I, I thought those symbols kind of. I thought those bugs look like a CBS symbol. Yeah, that's what I'm like. What the hell is it? it's a one-eyed freaking antenna head? Uh, whatever the hell it is, you know. So. <laughs> and I like the use of the different palettes. Yeah, it switches um, up the mode for depending which level you're on, so you get a bit more color variety. So this is a good one to play with the uh, palette hacks and the Coco Three. Okay. Cool. So uh, yeah, well, I guess there's not a whole lot to talk about this game. It's simple. It's pretty simple game. So and, uh, to, so to get Buck score, how long did he have to play? How many levels did he get through to get to that forty-something yeah, thousand? Um, so one eyed, one eyed, one horned. Yeah. Okay. Purple people eater. Yeah, and I do yeah. like how it mixes up the colors. Kind of uh, Polaris style, just taking the four limited colors and you know reusing them a variety of ways to. One, one thing I did like is the way they did the mechanic because they had a single button joystick to work with. They could have made this two joysticks, one for aiming your sight and one for walking, but he actually did it fairly well because you, as long as you're not holding the button down, you're walking when you're moving the joystick. When you hold the button down, now you're firing, so you stop walking and then you move your little... Yeah, yeah. So that was a nice way of doing it for... You know, that must have been 
that must have been a cautious decision not, not to not let you go backwards, maybe for difficulty level. I don't because I can't imagine that would have been you know difficult to implement. Yeah, because then you'd end up with the standard gaming tactic of just backing up as they come at you. Into yeah. a dead end. Well, you could go forward into them, and then they would back up and give you a bit of time to shoot at them. But okay, yeah, I'm not sure what else needs to be said about the game. If you, if yeah. you played it, and if you had something to say, you should have said it by now. Speak now, or forever, <laughs> forever hold your yeah. peace. And that's okay. Some games generate yeah. most. No, I, I liked the game. I didn't get a chance to play it this week, but I did like the game. I did have some good memories playing it and making that video. I did learn a little bit about it, actually reading the book on it. So um, that was good. Oh, somebody said the bugs are the Mike Wazowski. The Mike Wazowski. Oh, that's true. That's cool. Yeah. Good point. Okay. Well, then without any further ado, if there are no further comments, no further questions, Your Honor, uh, Nick Morata, would you like to tell us what next week's Game of the week is sure. Dun dun dun. So next week is actually game number fifty-two. Ooh, so is that a year? Which means it's it's a it'll be the end of the first year of game on. So Ooh. I'll have something I'll have something special for fifty-three because that'll mark the beginning of our second year. Okay, the first year. Uh, this is the end of our first year. Uh, so it's just we're doing uh, this week. I picked a clone. Uh, a game, and I'm sure you guys will know what it is. Oh, Demon uh, Attack. Actually, Demon that's not Attack. a clone. That's an official licensed one, I believe. Okay, sorry. It's a cover. It's a, it's a, a cover, a cover <laughs> uh, it's a, uh, of an arcade game. It's a cover of an original. Yeah, so, yeah, I don't necessarily mean unlicensed. I mean, it's, a, yes, it's an implementation okay. of an arcade game. A port. So, yes, this is a port. Oh, that's a the port. word I'm looking yeah, for. A port. Thank it's you. a port. Yes. Yeah. Thank it's, you. It's a an port. official. It's not an arcade game. It's an officially licensed Activision or whatever it is. I think. Uh, I magic. I magic. I magic. Right. Thank you. So, yes, Demon Attack is our game, game on challenge game for the next week. Awesome. Um, Good game. So, Good game. another game mentioned in the, in the Smash Hit Nightmare Highway song. So, yeah. um,. I'm hope I'm ha- trying to cover all the games in Nightmare Highway song eventually. We're 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 almost there. <laughs> oh, okay. part of the series. <laughs> okay, so Buck Owen says he made it to Maze Five to get that score. Yes, and in dis- Discord as well, there's a gameplay video from Buck Owen. Okay, and uh, AC's Eight Bit Zone saying the varying color palettes added a bunch of interest. Agreed with Stevie. Okay. Yes. All right. All right. So that is our game on game next week. And uh, again, I thank you all for participating, and thank you, Stevie, for uh, for letting me do this do this gig. I mean, really and it. and thank you to Mister Dave for the suggestion because he's the one who um, put that suggestion out there in Discord in our Coco Talk lobby or our news suggestions channel, whatever it was. One of the four or five channels you'll find on our Discord server. Um, and he said, "Hey, why don't we do something about games or something?" And I don't remember even how the how it went, but he basically planted a bug in in the consciousness and uh and that seed has has grown and, and flourished and uh at this point now nick Morota is just a, uh, a he's a flower bed of he's a garden of beautiful flowers <laughs> um so lots of beautiful Aww. flowers yes like lots of happy trees and fluffy clouds and everything so yeah um so thank you mr dave for planting that seed uh, just, just so people know, we want to take part in, in Demon Attack here. That's a Coco 1 and 2 game. Um, I think if you have the cartridge, it requires 16K, and it'll require more than that if it's it's not a cartridge. So. Mm-hmm. 
I don't know. Should we do something nice for Mr. Dave? Maybe send him a fruit basket or something? We'll send him a flower since he helped plant this seed. We'll send him some flower seeds. That's what we'll are do. Are we locking out the people who are only 16K? I, my apologies for that. Um, what was the question, though? Are we locking out the people who are only 16K? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. I think we, we did, I think we did that with Tetris, too, while we're at it. Because the Tetris, even the ROM pack of Tetris, you have to have 32K or more to run. Because uh, uh, I had a 16K Coco here, and I'm like, oh, let me test this. And it literally, I got a message that says, not enough memory. It may be time to consider upgrading your Cocoa if you're only on 16 or 4K. Mm-hmm. Right? With rising, yeah, it's, it, it's with, been long enough. Yeah, with rising upgrade costs, uh, that that's a real bargain. Uh, okay, so we're still in our Game On segment. Um, L. Curtis Boyle, do you have some Game On news for us? Yes, and we'll even start with something related to the Game On Challenge. So All right, so take it away. Uh, here we go. Uh, all right, you guys can't hear the music, but this is the cool music that Nick Morenti's created for us. This is the Game On segment intro graphic because we're a professional show. Take it away, L. Curtis Boyle. Oh, look at this. Who's that guy? Is that Ben Drakes? Ben yeah, VR so if Ben Drakes. has any comments he wants to throw into the chat or if he wanted to join the call to explain it because uh, we've seen some of his videos before, but it's been a while, I think, since we've shown him with his... Full VR kit playing a Coco. Now game, is he so. wearing sandals with socks? Oh, that's, a typical, <laughs> that's typical nerd dress. After that, September, sure, no so. less. Come on, that oh, is a fashion. That is, a, that is special VR foot. That's right. That's a fashion to, don't. That's a fashion don't to right there. Stevie's fashion corner. <laughs> cheers and jeers. <laughs> White <laughs> socks. For hey, you. this is the judgment-free ju- zone here, folks. Okay, so. <laughs> yeah. Wow. And when Stevie goes out, he wears his formal shorts. That's, no, that, right. that's perfectly fine. It's when you wear Crocs with white socks. <laughs> All right. Take it away, Curtis. Hey, so I have no idea what that audio is going to be here, but uh, let's go. It's only two minutes. I think I'll play the whole thing. Okay. I don't have a link for this. Okay. This is cool already. <laughs> He's turning. Look at that. He turns. Fire. Pew, 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 pew. Now, that Can I makes... mute the music? I'm not sure if this is copyrighted or not. Okay. Yeah, just probably better. Pew, pew. See, I'm doing the sound effects. Pew, 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 pew. Boom, boom. Pew, pew. Oh, this is cool. It's the Stevie sound check. Yes. I used an air mouse to turn rather than strafing on the Omni, which is what I usually do when I'm playing an old game like this. It's on it's YouTube free music, he says. I truly recommend trying the game each week. It's a lot of fun, is what Mr. Dave says. Okay. That is really cool. So those are VR footwears. Oh, they are actual Pacific VR footwears. It's the VR grade sock sandal combo. <laughs> this looks like she won't ram into the wall running around in yeah this video. looks like he's wearing like flip-flops of socks that's all so i mean it's it could be what it is so that is kind of cool though i want one and yeah. that turning mechanism certainly works better than the very earliest ones we saw yeah yeah and it's kind of like you're getting exercise while you're playing games, which is what I don't get in my current comfy chair right now. So <laughs> that's how you can justify this to the wife. That's yes. right. That's yeah. right. I'm, it's for my health. I bought a Wii way back in the day. Right. Call of Duty, ten thousand steps. 
I mean, if we had to physically do what we do in video games, you know, r- all the running and walking and <laughs> hanging we from walls from your attacks. bare hands, it's like the, it's like really, I you can't. I, I can barely lift myself out of bed. I'm not climbing a mountainside, folks. You so. would need the Dagger's heart monitor <laughs> at the bottom of the screen to show you're about to have a heart attack. Yeah, the cholesterol meter, the uh, the blood pressure meter. <laughs> That's what I want is the, the Dagger's heartbeat on an Apple Watch. That'd be perfect. Uh. That is extremely cool. That is super cool. Thank yeah. you, Ben VR Drakes, for doing that for us. That's cool. And I know Ben has mentioned that they're planning on taking this in a tour. Obviously, now you know, I'll have to wait till COVID's done. But uh, he actually, they are, the company is actually planning on taking a tour through some of the cities in the States here to show this thing off. And he said if we got some Cocoa people there, we'd actually let them play some Cocoa games on it instead of the modern stuff. Oh, that would be cool. So that'd be awesome. Ooh. Right? Mm-hmm. That would be where it's going. Get them to ship one to my house. I think David Ladd wants to create um, request to play... Um, Predator on this? Oh yeah! <laughs> really? 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 <laughs> It'd be really? fun watching Dave fall off clips. Uh. Someone suggested a hell of an idea: your dagger heartbeat is your actual heartbeat, and like it's pictures. tied, it's tied into <laughs> like, your yeah, like reading your pulse. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Sounds yeah. like a liability issue. Yeah, he died. Oh well. Yeah. Ah. You can just pop up a little overlay window saying something like, uh, I believe you're having a stroke. 911 has been called. <laughs> cool. Anyway, that's really cool. Thanks for posting that, Ben. And, and, and uh, include a life alert, thanks, too. So when you, when you pass out, you can hit the button. I'm falling and I can't get up. <laughs> <laughs> uh, cool. So, Nick, Nick Morota, since you're the, the head of the game on thing here, is this something you would try with a Coco game? Oh, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. I'm hoping because this is actually doing real turn stuff. Like I get, I get a lot of motion sickness trying VR helmets. Like I can't, I can't do them for more than like 20 seconds. I start getting right. nauseous. I'm hoping so, in this case because you're physically moving around instead of you know the scene moving when you're not really moving this to match. And that's what throws your inner ear off. That this actually might be less nauseous for somebody like me as motion sickness. Right. And you can actually step forward without stepping into the wall like a lot of VR things do now. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't it be cool if this could be at Coco Fest? That would so, be awesome. So, Stevie, if it's, if it's <laughs> for the it. game, Stevie, if it's for the game on segment, can I expense it to Coco Talk? Sure. Just take it out of, <laughs> take it out of your uh, annual salary that you get. <laughs> and, um, Actually, that's a good question. Ben, what is the current going rate? Because I know that the price of this uh, apparatus has changed a couple of times so if you want to post what the price is because i know you can buy these i think when you mentioned it once before something like two grand or something like that That, but that might have been on the pre-sale um yeah and there's two versions i think one has the extra for the steering your hands and stuff and then there's a base one for just the walking i think but hopefully ben can uh, let us know specifically there because i know they he wants like he wants to promote it for the company so i thought we'd just give a mention okay right it's 9.95 for the treadmill he says so the base, the, the the now does that include the cool sock and sandal combo uh, thing there? <laughs> oh, Optional <it's> Crocs. <laughs> Nine ninety five. What? Uh, okay, cool. That is neat. I'd be curious with the whole thing with the whole you know the back apparatus that gets the turning and stuff. The mm-hmm. evening and things. That's so cool. Space war. So Stevie, if you if you notice. Uh, Includes overshoes. Oh, there oh, you go. Ooh, now that's a bargain right there. I'd pay that much. I'd pay nine ninety five just for those shoes. So it's like buying cool shoes and getting a treadmill for free. Yeah, they're styling. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
But yeah, if he, if he can post the price to the uh, the extra apparatus for this, you know, aiming the shots and stuff too, it'd be interesting to hear. I don't know if we have enough character limits on the uh, yeah, on 1995, the including the headset. So that might be the full gear, the full rig, mm. two grand. Okay, so it's yeah, about the price I, of three Coco threes. We'll need we'll we'll need that for the anniversary game, by the way, guys. To order yeah. now. <laughs> yeah, this when we get to the second year episode when we were starting our third year, we'll have make it mandatory you have to play it on one of the VR things. <laughs> yeah, right. A real challenge. Send us a picture of you in your VR rig with your cool sock and sandals and your score. And a self addressed stamped envelope to P.O. box. Yep. Uh, I'll just I'll just uh you duct tape a, a view mask. Just wait and switch clicks click click. That's a redneck VR right there. <laughs> Somebody well, one of those things from the dollar store you stick your cell phone in. Okay. What are we talking about here, Curtis? It's Space War. Okay, so Rich N has released his port of Space War. We've kind of shown a little bit of this before, which is a port of the original nineteen sixty two PDP game. Not the arcade game of the same name that came out in 77. So he's made a couple of videos for it. He's also released the manual, which is what I'm showing right here. And it's his first ever assembly language program he's ever really written. Oh, that's cool. So this is the manual, which kind of goes through the instructions here. And there's a free download on the Color Computer Archive or the Discord. 32K required. Works on emulator or real hardware. Ah, well, we'll look at the manual. Steve doesn't look at manuals anymore. What's that? Yeah, why start now? It's got like words or something on it. So here's some gameplay footage. With the gravity. I like going the around gravity. The yeah, and the stars in the background, constellations, the uh, whole gyroscopish. And your two different player ships controlled by each player, so you try to kill each other was the goal of the game. Okay. That's cool. It's very and impressive. And he's got a second video which kind of shows the intro too, so. Okay. Space War. By Computer Shock. Oh, I'm sorry, that's Fury. Fury by Computer Shock. I think that was more understandable than the actual program. <laughs> so now the stars are getting filled in. Yep. And, and they're real constellations, too. Yeah, and the gravity pulls us in, and we're in, and we're off, and we're spinning. Yeah, just to, just to show, the, as you look at the very top of the screen around the center, you can see the Big Dipper on the left pointing to yep. the North Star, North yep. Star and the Little Dipper, so it's, it's definitely it, accurate. We've had some big and little dippers on this show throughout the years. And I can Thank already you. visualize the funny fiberglass thing that this was built in at the bowling alley that I frequented in the... Yeah, the Space War Arcade. Like yeah, exactly. Yeah. I used to play that a lot. That was when you paid for, what, a minute and a half of play, and you had to pump another quarter in and play another minute and a half, if I remember? Right. That was an expensive game. Anyway, freely available for download, um, so go grab it. The instructions are available too for the people, unlike Stevie, who actually read directions. I'm sorry, were you saying it's something? It's a really good first effort for somebody who's never written a machine language game for the Coco before. Yeah, okay, absolutely. Stevie, just sound out the big words. That's right. I need a picture book. Okay. Very cool. Next up, uh, Sheldon McDonald, who we've covered the last couple weeks working on his Semi Graphics 8 uh, adventure style game. It's got a new video, which he's got tile collision now, so you, you, it'll stop if you hit against different things, plus slowing the scrolling, etc. So I'll just play it's just under a minute. No, I just walked inside a room from the outside. Yeah, it's very Zelda-like, where you go from the outside to the inside. Yeah, yeah and he's got some debugging info, obviously, like you know, the mm-hmm. XY coordinates on the right, upper right there. 
But you no longer walk through walls and water and stuff, so it actually checks for collisions. Right. Yeah, that's neat. I like this the kind of arch look of and that is really cool. Yeah, this is very Nintendo Zelda ish looking. Yeah. The one difference from his original demo, his original demo was just was smooth scrolling all the yeah, way through, and I actually kind now, of prefer this effect where it zooms the next scene in yeah, as opposed to Yeah. It kind of transitions range. to the next page. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, come along good. He said he's got a lot of work to do on it still, but he looks like he's made a lot of progress. That so. is cool. That is neat. I'm really jealous of people who have talent and, yeah, apply, talent them, and, skill, and apply yeah. themselves and achieve things. Yeah. Um, that's cool. I mean, I try to make myself famous in the Coco community just by, you know, stealing everybody else's stories and just, you know, retelling them all. <laughs> How's that working out for you, Curtis? <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, I haven't got a pay raise in a while because, you know, I think your last report card to me said, no originality, nothing yeah. for you. So. <laughs> Live as a division by zero error. Uh-huh. <laughs> yes, he got a thousand percent improvement. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, next up, we have a first of a uh, few Jim Gary things. The more interesting ones are a little bit later, but this one he did an update to the Speed Demon game, <clears throat> which is a car racing game. So this is a little bit faster, but it also doesn't leave a trail. The original version kind of left the trail of your car as it's scrolling the screen. So he's fixed that so that it actually your your car's down the screen somewhat, and then it doesn't you know leave this big trail, except on the intro screen, which we'll skip. But. Na, 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 na. I remember this one. You went 35 miles. This is and there, where's the couch? Ouch. Yeah, I remember this. This was back, you know, uh, typed in from a book. Yep. And uh, back in the 16K cassette days, I probably, probably have that on some cassette somewhere. Yep. The original game was called Road Race and was by Tom Rugg and Phil Feldman. Okay. I like what he's doing there. So, and it's very fast. It's not like super flashy blinky. It is, you know, it's not double buffered or anything. You do see blinking, but it's not like the strobing effect. Yeah. Um, it's very acceptable. The speed is acceptable and the flash is acceptable. And the, and the moving left and right, this is good. Is this all in basic? No assembly routine? Yeah, all basic. That's quite impressive. Wow. The thing that actually inspired him to revisit it, because like I said, his first version, it, it left the trail of the car because you just kept redrawing it as you're scrolling the screen. <clears throat> so left your car trail going backwards, but uh, somebody had ported this to the Apple II based on the MC10 version. And they changed it so it would, you know, it was pretty blinky, but it, it, it got rid of the trail, so Jim revisited it specifically to, you know, outdo the Apple II version. So well, that's a tall order to fill right there, so. <laughs> um, the 6502? No. No, just... <laughs> the Apple Basic had some cool modes like this where you could print oh, colors and stuff. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Just a sec here. Am I... Uh, Thing went and killed off a couple too many, I think. I mean, bring, bring, the micro yeah, deal guy. Is years. this guy technically Cuthbert? Is that is this quote unquote Cuthbert? This micro deal guy here. Or, yeah, that's whoop. the. Yeah, I'll skip ahead to these here because I accidentally just killed a couple of tabs here because my mouse button got stuck. Eh, it wasn't that important. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just gonna yeah, make it. You're gonna throw me off. That's all. Button. I killed way too many there. Holy cow! So anyway, yeah, the, he's uh, taken the original artwork and he's made two different versions of it here where he's done some cleaning up. And these are actually high-res images you can download. So if you wanted to print them out you know, as a poster or a T-shirt or something like that, they would actually not you know, get all resolution pixely and stuff here. So it's kind of neat that he took the original artwork. And, of course, this is the famous loading screen a lot of the Dragon games mm-hmm. actually have on P-Mode 3. So. 
Here, it didn't stick this time. Right on. I gotta figure where I'm left off here. Now, this is a D32 joystick adapter. <laughs> yes. So, I, we mentioned this last time. We actually had some pictures of it here. So, it's an adapter for doing Atari-style joysticks on a very small circuit board, which he's going to make a commercial product um, okay. you know, with the different templates. But what he's done here is he's actually made all of the hardware designs, the case designs, and everything else are all freely available on here. So, if you don't want to have to purchase it from England, you can actually just do it yourself. 3D print the case, the schematics for the circuit boards, et cetera, are all here. So, it's all publicly available like you know jim brain and retro innovations does with their hardware designs so okay. i thought that was really cool yeah and it is a really nice compact atari adapter so forgive me for my ignorance but is the dragon 32 got a different port on it than the coco that you couldn't use the ones that 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 are already available that don't have this extra circuit board for you guys that have dragons is that true i think it is uh, it does have the the What's going on there is the the dragon has the same joystick port minus the center pin, right? That's the difference, right? Yeah, uh, so, so that, it has like a Coco One joystick port. Well, even the Coco One has it on the Coco One and Two that that pin six that center pin. It's there. It's just not wired in. Okay, and and so you can plug that. That's that's how you can plug in like the two button deluxe joystick in a Coco One or Two. Okay, yeah, it, it just doesn't read. Pin. Okay, so physically it has the six-pin receptacle, mm-hmm. right? But mentally it's only reading five of those pins. But on the Dragon, there's only five physical pins in the receptacle, right? So okay. a Coco joystick, uh, other than a Black Beauty, won't plug into okay. a Dragon without some type of adapter. So, so yeah, so there are a few products on the market that will convert a Coco joystick to an Atari joystick. So there's the one that Neil Blanchard makes, and there's one that Richard makes. But also those are being provided in the states where this is a this is a uk source so if somebody in the uk wanted to get something now they've got a local source to get it um neat neat pro- and and there is that i guess as you guys are pointing out there's a specific difference in the actual connector the din connector on the keyboard yeah, five pin versus six um now right. though you can get a generic six to five pin uh you know, dumber downer thingy. You know, I uh, believe Richard uh, may sell an adapter. Yeah, there's the picture of the din right there. Right there's your five pins. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's it's just. Oh, yeah, that's a, the, there's two different type of five pin dins, and that one is, you know, there's the uh, the 180 degree one, which is the Coco cassette port, and then there's this one that's just like right. the six pin din minus the center six pin. pin. Yeah, it's and as as um, Sixy is pointing out, Karen, he's saying that it turns out that these five pin 240 degree din sockets are much rarer these days than the six pin din ones are, so it's harder to get a five pin din. All you need is a pair of pliers. Pull it out. I, I, the last time I needed one, I just I just heated that pin up and got it to uh, you know come that's out. What look, looks like that's what happened to this one. Uh, yeah, you can it, see the center point there. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, it's a little divot in the center. So it's, it's really cool that he, he released it publicly. I mean, if you're in the UK and you're not a hardware guy, like if I lived in the UK, that definitely what I'd be doing. I'd be purchasing it. Right. Well, the original uh, is so the original right circuit design for this was in a magazine from the 80s anyway, so it's kind of been public all along. I don't think it was quite this compact, though. Oh, okay, as far as the, the shorthand version of it. But the circuit design itself has yeah. been public yeah. for yeah. 40 years. Uh, and I believe there's even a fellow in the in Australia making them too. Now. Uh, yeah, Cyril. And I can't I remember. Like this. Jason Cyril, I think is his name. This has also been designed so you could plug it on directly onto the back of the Coco if you connected your connector to the circuit board. Hmm. Okay. Okay. Yep. We see that. 
Oh, I see that. Okay, neat design. Right, that's a cool project. So I'm going to bring back my one page that went flying on me here. Okay. Oh, nobody needs more news, Curtis. Come on. <laughs> hey, it's Taco, Taco Night. night. Taco <laughs> this is bringing you back bad memories for you, Stevie, isn't it, here? When you burn your <laughs> Tacos. Oh, Return of the Beast. Mm. Okay, I'm just going to stop this for just a sec here. So this is um, <clears throat> his third part in the series, Nest of Dragons. This is the guy who's been repairing the dragons at one of the computer museums in, in Britain. So I, we've covered him before. We've taken them. He's retrobrighted them, and he's you know fixed circuit boards and power supplies. I think we covered one just last week, actually. So this is his part three. <clears throat> so he goes through a couple of the other dragons, and he intersperses them with gameplay videos. Because he on the second video, he repaired a couple, and then to test them, he tried a couple of games. And he wasn't that impressed with the games. And he kind of mentioned that <laughs> at the end of the video. And he I was asking for some suggestions from people. So some people did suggest a few games, and he's definitely more impressed with some of the other ones, like The King and stuff. Um, so he goes through you know, some several dragons. He says he's not going to do a video for every single one because I think the museum had some like a dozen or so. So he's getting a few for display and he's getting a few for interactive play with, etc. But this one here, <clears throat> Return of the Beast, we've just we've had this one on before, and it's basically a Zevia style game for the Coco One Two with four way scrolling, digitized explosions, etc. And we've played videos of the gameplay before. I've never seen a video of the full thing, and the game is not complete. It's it's more like a playable demo because it only has one level you can play on. But I thought I'd play this here because he's actually got the full intro, which actually has a digitized music soundtrack Ooh, on a Dragon 64. Nice. Or Dragon 32, I should say. So this this is actually more impressive than I thought, because he crammed all this into 32K along with the game right, itself. Turn so the volume up. Actually, turn, crank yeah. it up, man. Turn this one up to 11. I will play this for a bit. All right. Stuart Orchard is the guy who's making this return. Of, look at that. How cool that color looks like that. Did you guys the, hear the sound? No, I hear nothing. Oh, did I? When did you not share audio when you uh, yeah, shared here, the screen? Yeah, Curtis, you're not sharing your audio, Curtis. Yeah, it's going to come up on your fun. <laughs> it's going to come up on your yearly review. Yes. Yes. It said this is a default in this, <laughs> this Zoom thing. Use your sound, Curtis. <laughs> okay, now it's <laughs> muted. Now YouTube is muted. So yeah, I got to back up. Uh, back it up. Back that thing up. Ooh. Turn it up, man. Best music I've ever heard from a dragon. Can you hear it now? Oh, yeah. Coming at you. That's very Sid-like. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Three boys with digital... With percussion. With with percussion. That's crushing it, yo. Nice. And not bad for no sound chip. Kind of sounds a little bit like Simon's players. Actually. Yeah. Music. I love that freaking snare drum sound. It's labeled as a demo, but seems more like an unfinished game. The top-down multi-way scrolling is smooth, and the enemies that you must either destroy or avoid are good size and flicker-free. And that's it. Apart from a few developer options, like warping to an identical level in a different colour scheme. Or the ability to swap between the three colour schemes directly. For whatever reason, this I like the red background on, on that. GitHub, though, if you want to learn how this I like the blue one wizardry myself, was achieved. Okay. 
I love that screen there with the blue and red. It kind of gives you an impression of purple. It kind of reminds me of the Space yeah. Quest title screen. And, you know, I'm really impressed what the Dragon uh, game devs have done with the same four colors. It seems like most of the U.S. game designers just took those crappy four colors and put very little effort into how to apply them. Let's just make an all green background and put some red and blue and yellow crap in front of that crappy green background. These guys have done some really creative things visually and there's a lot of thought went into it. You're working with the limitation but exploiting that limitation and uh, and that's one of the things I really appreciate about you showing us all these videos is how creative these guys have been in the semi-graphic space and in the yep. four color space just taking it and and you know running with it. Yeah, because, I mean, on the, on the PAL systems, they were more limited than we were because the artifacting, I mean, there is a kind of artifacting, the vertical striping one, but it's it's way worse color selection than we had. We had the nice, you know, bright orange slash red and blue, you know, which basically gave us two of the primary colors plus black and white, so we could actually do some pretty decent stuff with it. But they didn't have that option, so they had to get more innovative with, you know, mixing palettes from the kind of gross-looking palettes that we had to choose from mm-hmm. um, than we did. And they also, cool. as you mentioned, they used the semi-graphics mode a lot more than they did in North America, too, because it was the only way they could get, you know, a lot of color. And He's actually got Donkey buy. King in that video, if you want to go forward. You can see the palette affecting. Okay. Yeah. Purple, huh? <laughs> also, I, I know Sixie, who's actually worked with the author of, of Return of the Beast. Um, they're both fellow Brits. Um, is, is going into some details here in the chat about how it evolved from the Coco Sid project, except it's also programmable. It's not like a hard-coded demo. You can actually design the music to play. Um, you know, your own music that runs through the same engine and keeps it really compact. Because, I mean, the whole game, all the graphics and all that soundtrack and the digitized samples, it all fits in 32K. Wow. Just pretty amazing. Yeah. You said later in here? Flagonbird. That's Steve Bamford yeah. Bosco. I think it's before that, isn't it? Yeah, maybe before that. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. It's much closer to the Donkey Kong original. The so the one on the right is the artifact. And, and the, the side effects are yeah, both for like a dragon type. That yeah. kind of shimmery. Buff mode is by far the worst mode to play uh, absolutely. the game in. Being an ice strain inducing mess of colors. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow hearing ice strain Not inducing mess of colors in a British is accent is very soothing. He's <laughs> also got that weird clicky speed, thing going on, which isn't part of normal Donkey King. And for King, this either. quick demo, I'm grateful for the included slow mode. And this is new. Uh, we didn't have a slow mode on the Coco version. No. There's something going on with the DAC there. Yeah. It's doing that little pop, pop, pop. Pop goes a deck because the deck goes pop. So that anyway, it's a, it's a really good video. Like it goes through and like retro, you know how to scrub the cases clean. And I think last last week we showed where he was replacing one capacitor that leaked all over the interior of the case and stuff. So he would goes through and you know fixes a few others here and goes through you know cleaning the keys and how to basically do all this kind of stuff. What to look for for electronics and the power supply board, etc. So it's a good educational bit, but he did throw in a lot of game stuff here because he wanted to show some better games than the ones he just randomly chose last week's show. So that was cool. Next up, uh, we got the Jim Gary special. Now, as we mentioned last week, a guy named uh, Greg Dion had released his MC10 cross compiler for basic compiler. Okay. Yes. So Jim had some issues last week. He was trying to get some stuff converted, and he would get something to partly run in the not. He's obviously figured out how to fix that. I don't know if that's because of Greg's done changes or just Jim's learned what differences there may be. 
So he's converted, I think, four programs as of this morning. He's converted Scramble over, Load Runner, and then he also did Chess and Conway's Game of Life. I'm not going to play those last two because those are kind of dull demos. But I'll show you Scramble. So this is the original Scramble pre-compiler. Okay. And you, the number in the upper left here is kind of generating... Uh, is generating the actual you know map as it's going through. Okay. So I'll just fast forward that. You can see how fast that fast number is going down anyway. Okay, 43, 42, 41, 47, 6. <coughs> T-. Okay. So what are the A's? I have no idea. Okay. That's the Canadian <laughs> version. A? <laughs> okay, it's a little confusing. I mean, confusing. for a basic game, it's not too bad. No, 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 no. It's just a little confusing when it's just all letters. Okay, the up arrow being firing at you, that's Q and A. Okay, so... Yeah. And you can shoot ahead or you have bombs down and yeah. stuff. So okay. missiles fire up at you, et cetera. Okay. So then he did it through the compiler. So you first of all see the number goes down a bit faster. Yes. And we've got sound. Yeah, and it's scrolling probably, I think I figured about twice as fast. Okay. If not, And it's scrolling more. more now, too. It was, yeah. a, it was a lower screen. This is a taller screen now, so it's scrolling more of the screen. So I wonder, I mean, I'm wondering what he was doing to do this before. Is it just like peek and poke rolls? This is a, you know, I think he was using mid-string of uh, long strings to... Oh, okay, just mid-stringing it, okay. But definitely plays better. Yeah, yeah. Okay. And then the same thing on Load Runner. So here's the original Load Runner. Okay. Which actually didn't run it too bad. No, it wasn't bad. I remember seeing this one before. It was a, it was relatively impressive. They just dug a hole. Crosses uh -oh. the rope. Hey. And I'll switch it over to the faster version here. Yep. So it's definitely faster than... Now is it... Um, you know, this This is the slower version again, and then side by side. But I'd say roughly twice as fast. Yeah. And I know Greg's not done with the compiler yet, so I mean, this is just, you know, right. first out the gate since he first released it last week, literally. So I'm really looking forward to what, uh, what Jim will do and also what Greg will do if he further optimizes the compiler and starts adding you know, more better speed-ups type thing. That is neat. So. That is neat. But you can definitely make some more playable games here. You can probably tackle some games you couldn't have even tried before. They would have been too slow. So I'm really, really interested in what the two of them are going to come up with. Yeah, absolutely. MC10 has turned into a bit of a beast as well, hasn't it? It has. I'm just waiting for the MC10 version of Nightmare Highway. <laughs> Nightmare Highway. I could try writing it in compiled basic. You may not need to write an assembly routine for it. And this one, actually, Brian Weezer kind of brought this up. He was trying to check out some videos from Cuthbert Dragon's page because we've featured him a lot of times before because he actually has the original cassette artwork for the Dragon games, etc. And he plays on real hardware, filmed on a real screen. But his page suddenly got wiped out midweek. Like, everything was gone. And 
neither one of us really knew what was going on. It looks like what he's doing is he's going to be redoing them all. He's going to do every one as a roughly three-minute video. He's going to feature two games that are related in some way, either the same author or the same style of game, et cetera. And then in each minute and a half segment, he's actually cutting between scenes. So he's trying to show as much of the gameplay as he can. So, for example, in Frogger, he actually shows you like the snake going across the middle and one of the alligators. He doesn't just start on the first level. Um, in the case of Scramble, the Tom Mix one, he actually shows scenes from all five levels and even the windscreen when you, you know, succeeded finishing off all five levels. So he's redoing his entire page as this new condensed, condensed but expanded, condensed in time-wise, but expanded on the fact that you're going to see as much of the game that he can show you from playing it live, like different levels that maybe might take hours for you to get good enough to get to, et cetera. So I kind of like the idea that he's doing that because it does, uh, you know, make it pretty, pretty uh, a nice summary of the game itself. You know, you're not just catching like the first level and that's it type thing. He's giving you. If you guys want to see one of these, as just a quick demo of what he's been doing here. Just pick one of them and uh, I'll play it. Storm. Yeah, intergalactic force and storm. I like the way this showcases them a bit. A bit yeah. You're getting lost before. Man, now that's a really good Sid player from the Dragon. <laughs> Actually, that might even be possible now. Holy cow, that sounds so good. Yeah, that's not from the Dragon. <laughs> though. That's just... Okay, that Intergalactic Force is a Star Wars trench. Yeah, it's a clone of an old black and white arcade game. I can't remember the name of it off the top of my head. I played cool. the game and I remember it was it was pretty interesting to see the 3D smooth scrolling of the yeah. sides and stuff, but the game gets pretty dull pretty quick because there's not much more to it. This reminds me of a game for the Tatung Einstein. Maybe you guys in the UK or people that know, there's a game called Escape from Merlin 8 that that has uh, that it's pretty much identical to this. Okay, it was probably based off the same original arcade game then too, which I have on my site on my arcade translation page there. It mentions the original name, I just don't remember it off the top of my head. It used a grayscale. Now, does this, does this one ever get to the thermal exhaust at the end of the trench, or do you just keep going forever? Like, no, you just there... keep going. You bomb those little holes in the bottom. And that, okay. So there yeah, is... You'll, there's one right there. That was it. That was so the thing on the ground. So it's not like it's not like in the movie where you got to the end of the trench, you had to shoot the exhaust port, and then you left the trench. So this is this a never-ending yes. stream of never-ending exhaust ports. Arcade shooter, basically. Yeah. It's, okay. it's, it's like this show. It just goes on forever. <laughs> <laughs> the original arcade game it did a cool effect, though. If you got killed, it fired you out of the trench. Your ship went spinning off in the distance, and then it zoomed back into the trench to take you back in on your next man. And then Storm. I like that little transition there, too. Was it a temp? Yeah, Tempest. Tempest, Tempest Clone. Yeah. yeah. A good one. A good one. Has, has, has all the levels, alternates through different colors. So you got like your blue version, your yellow, and your red versions of all the screens. Um, is it, who is this? Uh, Computerware? This is the same yes. one who did Pack Attack, yeah, right? Computerware. Same dude who did Pack Attack, yeah. Yeah. This seems to me like what the 2600 version of Tempest would have been if they had ever finished it. Because the, the prototype is out there, and it seemed to be going kind yeah, with of wide in this pixels. direction. Yeah. yeah, I've seen that too. Uh, Daddy Burrito says Star Strike was the arcade game that was similar to that uh, Death Star game. Okay. That linked right into that taco ad we saw earlier. <laughs> Daddy Burrito, yes. 
Now, are these multiple graphics modes, like uh, the, the the top, you know, eighth of the screen with the with the letters and the, and the level and all that? Is that a different graphics mode than what's running on the bottom part? I don't no, same no, graphics mode. No, this is no. what's known as a semi-graphic, so it combines yeah. text and the eight-color mode. Yeah, basically, uh, this is semi-graphics twenty-four, which means it takes the regular text mode but lets you split on each scan line, so that you can actually merge text. And you don't have to print the full block of the text. Like, you know, it's the blue lines above the score, for example. So the first scan line, it's using a graphics block, a low-res graphics block. And then the next, you know, eight or nine, it's doing the actual text character. And then it kicks back to the graphics block again. Oh, so it's not really mixing cool. modes because those are just normal set-reset graphics on the Coco. But it's it, it lets you split by every scan line. Like, normally this mode, if you just did plain seven graphics 4, you get 64 by 32 or 32 by 16 text. In this case, it's 64 or 32 by 192. You can individually... Do the one limitation on it? Well, it was a couple. One limitation was on the text; it has to line up in the character cell. Like you can't shift the text up or down. Well, really weird tricks. So basically, you have to still place the characters where they would have been on a full size text screen, but you can't cut them short like it's doing here. And the other problem is, of course, the text like that doesn't work on a Coco Three because the gimme doesn't emulate that. It lets you do with a, a couple of pokes the graphical part of it, so you can actually get the graphics of the screen, but you wouldn't be able to read the score. On the left, you would be able to read the level number because that's done on, in graphics. But right, right, right. The, yeah, it's it's totally different than the, you know if you're programming this on the Atari Eight bit, where you'd have to basically dedicate that top section of the screen to one graphics mode and the bottom to another, and you wouldn't be able to mix and match fonts. Like the level font would have to be in the same font as the uh, the, the basic you know characters yeah. on the yeah. shots. Now you can mix graphic modes like you're saying, but um, there's if you time it, you if you get your VSync signal, then you count you know cycles until the 10 scan lines down you want to switch mode. Some games do do that. Some other uh, utility programs like the music music program used to do that. It used to put yes, but... half the screen text and half the screen in graphics. Right, right, right. Neat. Neat. Yeah, I like that. I like how he shows the cassette artwork because the artwork really was the nice appeal of this to me. The collectability of it, the... Uh, um, and there's there's a Facebook group um, about MicroDeal where people are posting cover art of their different MicroDeal uh, cassettes and stuff like that, too. So I like to watch that group. Um, what I would love to see on that Facebook group is not only have them showing a screenshot of what the cassette looks like, but maybe a screenshot of what the game of that cassette looked like, too. But um, I know it's focused on the cassette cover of it. Um, no, this is neat. So he's basically rebooting the channel with a more optimized format, um, which is cool. I approve. I, I've been thinking about doing something like this for a while too, and on just some, you know, just retooling the way a gameplay video would be, you know. So yeah. and, cool. and boat, since you're actually on the call here, uh, and your show covers a lot more European and UK releases of, of on various platforms, whether it's on ARG or on the Amiga Show or the Spectrum Show. Um, did, did you, have you found it the same thing that we have where the any stuff that was produced in the States, especially the earlier stuff, I mean, later on, like the later Amiga stuff, they did, you know, full color, you know, basically commercial artwork, just like, you know, a Windows game would do. But for some of the earlier stuff, for the 8-bits, like the Atari and stuff, was was their packaging up to this stuff? Because, I mean, on the Coco, we just got pretty generic cassettes in, in North well, America. You know, but these, it's funny because... Uh, at least for the the Atari computers here in the states, is is you know they didn't want any. It was almost like they were discouraging third parties to produce uh, software. And that it sounds wasn't like candy until, too. Yeah, it wasn't until a couple of years later when they they came up with the APX, which was the Atari Program Exchange, which allowed uh, people to submit their programs to Atari. Then Atari would publish them in catalogs, 
and then they would pick winners and give cash prizes, quarterly cash prizes to the winners. It was an excellent idea because they basically solicited programmers to give them programs for free that they in turn would sell and take 100% profit on and then pick the top three programs and give them basically a pittance. Um, but, you know, a pittance is better than nothing. And a lot of people just, you know, where they're writing all these utilities and games and they wanted other people to be able to play them. So it worked well for them. Uh, that that continued all the way up until the, the crash in 1984 when that was disbanded. But that was sort of Atari's way of getting third-party apps out there. And, of course, there were, you know, Activision and, uh, you know, other other publishers that were writing. But it wasn't nearly what you saw in the U.K. with the ZX Spectrum, how basically anybody, you know, there, there were thousands of publishers and, and, and they were constantly soliciting, uh, you know, games from, from bedroom programmers. And you could basically, you know, send them a program on tape and they'd cut you a check and then they'd order 50000 to put in the boots or whatever, and, uh, and, and away you'd go. Yeah, and I think they. I think the Spectrum did the same here. Like everybody did these very professional looking cassette, you know, the actual casings and the and the yeah, the, the, the packaging. I think on the Atari, you know, with the with the Atari, um, there were at least you know in, in in my in my view, there were so few third party publishers for the Atari. Um, it was mostly coming out of first party, unless you're talking about really major publishers. But I always thought that the packaging on Atari games from third parties was not not nearly as good as the first party stuff, which, if you recall, came in those huge boxes. Like if you think about the original Star Raiders box, which is pretty classic, um, you know, and they had that. It was always art. It was always commissioned art, and it just looks so good. So uh, yeah, I'd say that that Atari eight bit art from the first parties really looked great, uh, but the third party stuff kind of fell off a little bit. Okay, so basically, uh, it does sound like the UK supported the third party a lot more. Oh yeah, than absolutely, much more, much more than the US, I think. Yeah. Okay. Thanks. And then the last one I'll just mention here: Simon WGB on Twitch and YouTube, who you know does his a bit of a change to his channel we mentioned before, where instead of just randomly picking a system to play three hours a night, he now does them in chunks, where he does three episodes, three nights in a row, he plays three hours each night of the same system and he does you know more modern systems some other retro systems as well so he just did another packet of dragon ones i won't go through them all because he's basically playing a lot of the same games he's already played before he's got a few favorites he really likes to go back to Uh, this is the this is the guy from downland inside a um bouncing boulders type game <laughs> Did the guy from no, Downland ever he's, have he's a got name? red mustache and, and blue hat, so it's not the same guy. Um, I like how there's artifacting here. Is this not yeah, Pow? No, he's he runs all of his stuff on XOR. He doesn't actually have a working dragon okay. anymore. So uh, occasionally when he sees a game that works well with NTSC color sets, he will actually switch the XOR setting. Oh, okay. I thought this was a really cool... I'm like, how the hell did they get Pow to show up red and blue with... You know, I wasn't sure what the hell was going on there. Okay. Um, no, John, he doesn't have a name, but we do kind of think he looks a little bit like an Italian plumber. An Italian plumber, yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, it's a me, a fake Mario. Uh, I think it's actually a Greek plumber. That's why he's different color. Yeah. Oh, there we go. Oh. Pitfall Jerry says, I remember going into a computer stores in Orlando, Florida, where some of the software for Atari was in sandwich bags with computer printed instructions and you labels. You just described the entire that's, Cocoa that's, third that's party. That's the Cocoa third party scene right there. That's every... Non Tandy game. There, there were a few exceptions, like uh, Computer Shack, Computer Shack slash Mictron, actually did very colorful cardboard, full color photos and stuff on theirs. But even the big manufacturers like Spectral and Tom Mix, you basically just got a Xerox sheet on a colored piece of paper, so it made it hard to Xerox. And you might get a two color cassette label, and that was it. 
Yeah, I mean, well, they, when you're selling your games out of the back of magazines, there's no reason to, to make, spend a lot of money on packaging because people are ordering the game based on the ad in the magazine. That's where you spend your money. They did yeah. find those special sandwich bags that fit a folded sheet of letter paper exactly. Yep, I've got a few sitting right beside me here, actually. <laughs> yeah, like my cassette copy of uh, Donkey King is just a two-colored uh, dot matrix printed label on the cassette. Yeah, yellow and red, if I remember correct. Uh, this is uh, red and blue. Oh, okay, yours is a different color than mine, then, because I have original Donkey King here, too. So, Good game, eh, John? Don't talk to me about Donkey King. <laughs> Ash, <laughs> is, is, is this another edition of our Poke the Bear segment? Oh, yes, it is. <laughs> cool. Anyway, that's it for the Game On News segment. All right, that is Game On News, everybody. All right, so we'll take another commercial break, and then we'll be back with news news. Um, uh, John, before we go, before we, and that, and when I say John, I mean boat. Uh, before we go to break, anything you want to update us on, what you're working on, or what you guys got coming up on a new show in the near future, yeah, or anything like we that? Recorded, uh, we recorded Pegasus and the Phantom Riders, uh, a Cocoa Talk episode about that. That is going to drop uh, not this Monday, but next Monday. So uh, February 8th, that is going to be released. If you want a sneak peek, you can check out our Twitch channel, the twitch.tv slash Amigos Retro Gaming, if you want a sneak peek. But uh, it'll be out on YouTube or on the Coco Talk podcast feed on uh, February 8th. Okay. All right, well, we're going to take a commercial break. This one's going to be a real family pleaser, and we'll be back after these words with more Coco Talk in Mikey's favorite segment, Snoozy Noozy. We'll be back in a few, folks. And now, these messages. It's a Radio Shack Merry Christmas. This year, I needed to give a real family pleaser. Honey, please help me with this budget. How about a new game, Dad? Please. And I found it. Radio Shack's Color Computer 2. On sale for just $99.95. It entertains, educates, manages. It's expandable and affordable. Now that really pleases me. The Color Computer 2. Sale price for Christmas. Only at Radio Shack. Hi, I'm Kieran Unscombe, author of XRAW. And your brain is resolving sensory input into Cocoa Talk. At GSoft, we make games for the TRS-80 Color Computer... TRS-80, MC-10, and Dragon computers. Our basic games cover the range of genres from arcade, to text adventures, to simulations, to 3D dungeon crawls. This is our latest puzzle game from Japan, Fruit Panic. So come on and drop by our website and download our latest games. Tired of switching your joystick between the left and right port? Want to change between different controllers? Well, Joey has got you covered. The Joey Controller Switch. Take control of your controllers with the flip of two switches. Order today at CocoMan.biz. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. Legend says, when the moon is full, if you go out in the country by the lake and whisper the name of Nick Marota three times, his spirit will appear and he will grant you a product idea. 
Radio Shack has a great gift idea for the whole family. Fast action TV games, and they're on sale. Get this six-game model for $29.95 or the four-game model for $21.95. With rising entertainment costs, that's a real bargain. You play hockey, tennis, squash, and more. Easy to hook up and great family fun that lasts all year long. The sale price TV games. Only at Radio Shack. A Tandy Company. Hi, I'm Terry Steen, author of Balloon Fire and other amazing games on the color computer. And you're listening to Stevie Stroh on Coco Talk. From around the world, what you need to know. Get caught up on news with El Curtis Muppet News Flash. All right, it's everyone's favorite foreign correspondent, L. Curtis Boyle, brings us schnooze nooze. I'm still getting used to being called a Muppet every week. But. <laughs> <laughs> a Muppet. Yeah, filthy okay. animal. Nah, keep the change. First up, we have uh, Richard Harding posted in the uh, Dragon Group his uh, photos of his test fitting his USB Dragon keyboard case, which is still a work in progress. And as he says, there's still plenty to do as this is part of a larger project, reimagining what a designer 1980s dragon could be and look like. So he's been doing all the various measurements. He's actually got the dragon keyboard into this other thing here, and here's kind of the the case that the uh, the new design would work with. Very, it actually matches my chair quite well. I was going to say very Darth yeah, actually, Vader-ish, but yeah. What is uh, that? Uh, what is that piece of uh, material there at the, in the in the front of the space bar? Almost looks like a weird, uh, like fingerprint reader or something. Go back one more. That one right there. What do, what do we think that is? Mouse pad. I don't know. Could mouse be a pad, yeah. A trackpad, yeah. Trackpad. Could be like you a could little... simulate an analog mouse by doing sixty-four positions both directions there. Mm. Yeah. Could be. I don't know. An LCD with a uh, LC... real-time clock. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it could be sure, something like a GoTech uh, right floppy right, cassette emulator. For the yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Could, could could be, be. anything. Uh, I like the style of this. It's pretty cool. This is I, I guess he's three D printing this, right? So, um, but you got the dragon keyboard in there. That, you know, let's flip it around. Let's get these angles again here. I also like the fact that he's he's got it looking like it's it's a larger case with built in drives, except he's got dual cassette on the left instead of dual drives. Okay, it's kind of cool. Is there any particular reason you need dual cassette, or is there any use for that? Well, the Dragon didn't really get... Not not as many Dragon people got disc drives because they were so hugely expensive in the UK that almost everybody stuck with cassettes, so it's much more common to get cassette-based stuff. Right, right. But, I mean, is dual cassette actually a thing that you... you is there any you know real use case for having dual cassette drives? Except for uh, pirate, I mean uh, backing up tapes. Backing up, backing up. Okay. <laughs> uh, uh, saving, no more. No more. saving game progress, maybe. I don't know. Maybe nice to have a cassette. Yeah, one to load, and one to save. You be copying because you're a manufacturer and you have to make multiple copies to yeah. sell. I don't know. Exactly. Databases. Databases, right? Well, one like for- Rainbow Magazine used to have a, a thing that controlled was it eight decks at the same time with one master? I can't remember how that worked, but they had a huge thing for duplicating their Rainbow on tapes. And it's an interesting project. Like you said, it's still a work in progress. So I'll, I'll keep following this and see what uh, what else comes out of it here. But it looks pretty cool. And as Stevie mentioned, it does match his chair. So maybe there's a, a marketing opportunity there. There you go. 
Okay, next up, we've got Simon Jonasson. He's got a couple of things he did. Uh, one was he uploaded the bin file for his Cocoa 3 Mandelbrot renderer. This is the one he's been converting from basic, which took about four hours to run. His current ML version takes about nine minutes to complete it. Um, and he's still working out. It's not fully optimized yet, but uh, this is showing the result. I won't show a nine-minute video of it rendering your Mandelbrot. So. And then, of course, you can palette cycle and animate it somewhat as well. And the second one he did here is um, the song Popcorn, which it's only 20 seconds, so hopefully we'll be okay playing that. Uh, but he, he actually converted this uh, from uh, MIDI directly to his uh, player. So. I'm hearing some really weird, strange background noise somewhere. play the whole thing but what it's is kind of that? That, he converted that, to MIDI. that is some sort of classic uh computer game title what what, what song is no that? it's from the group hot butter it's, it's called popcorn corn in okay the yeah. it was early a 70s, 70s. Song, if i remember wasn't it yes i'm afraid i bought that on the wait a second the group was called hot butter yes and, the song and their popcorn. song was called popcorn that's synergy, yeah. baby. It's, it's, synergy. Yeah, it's just like that's like <laughs> peanut butter and jelly. These are two things I, I that were a theme. Yeah, <laughs> there's a there is a video from the Muppets, uh, you know, within the last few years of the Swedish chef like making popcorn or popcorn shrimp to that tune. Okay, yeah, uh, like, the last song in the album I think was called "Sticky Theater Floor" or something like that, wasn't it? <laughs> wow. Okay. <laughs> All right, and we're moving on. Okay. Yep. Hey, next up we've got Jim Brain because we did a couple of hardware announcements for him last week, so we got another one for this week. Um, so he's verified that his Coco Flash Pack works, and this is basically a 512k Flash RAM solution for the Coco One, Two, Three, or Dragon 32 or 64, and it's programmable from the Coco, like the SDC firmware upgrades okay. are. So you can actually upload to it right from the Coco, and you know change, swap stuff out, whatever you need to do. It does support the um, banking hardware that the super cartridges like uh, Robocop and Predator did for MMU swapping banks out. So you can actually write a game on this that would take the entire 512K if you want to and actually run it completely off the cartridge. So he got it working. It's not optimized yet. The software is definitely not optimized. It's quite slow because uh, he wrote it in basic just to do you know test to make sure that the hardware design works. Uh, you also have an auto boot jumper that he's planning on adding, so you can actually have the cartridge auto start or shut it off if you don't want it to auto start. Um, so, looks like a pretty interesting hardware project. Five twelve K. So, what's the smallest ROM bank? Eight K. They're all sixteen K. Okay, sixteen K. So, do the math on that. Uh, that's uh, thirty two. Thirty two. So, there's thirty two sixteen K banks on here. So, th- so theoretically, thirty two standard Coco cartridges or a handful of the Coco three cartridges that were thirty two or one twenty eight K. Uh, yeah. You can mix and match that. And no, so, I was told I was told there was going to no, not be any math. Ah, okay. And so this is um, kind of a scaled down version of Coco Flash, which is an eight megabyte flash thing. And and yeah. do the math on that: eight megabytes versus eight kilobytes. We're talking about a thousand <laughs> cartridges you could fit on that sucker. Basically, the entire library. Yeah. And, so. um, and and so the thing about the Coco Flash, which I have, it's a great piece of hardware. It's got great potential what you could do with it, but um, there's not 
easy to use software to manage it, right? So there's got a basic program that Barry Nelson wrote, and it's very convoluted. And again, you can flash it through the cocoa, but you've got to, you know, you've got to kind of reverse engineer files and do this and rename that and do it and do a bunch of crap to load stuff into the memory. So there hasn't been that ease of use um, front end for the Cocoa Flash. So I'm, I'm assuming what Jim's going to hopefully be doing here is having a, a much more user-friendly way to do this. And for example, the Cocoa SDC, there's a real easy Flash utility that you can use to upgrade the ROM in the Cocoa SDC. And the same thing is true. Um, um, uh, Brett Gordon for Yados had his own utility for flashing a bank in the Cocoa SDC. So it, it can be done. And when you have a limited number of banks, it's got to be easier to write software to create a menu and choose what you want to see in these banks versus thousands of options and, you know, you know, hundreds of, of memory locations. So I think um, – and, and he just answered saying he is. He is working on a, a, the ease of use front end for this because that's really – it's like everything else. You can have the best hardware in the world, but if we don't have the software to support it, um, you know, that's that's always the shortcoming of it. So. Yep. Now, the um, original Cocoa Flash, is that a full-size cartridge? It is. No, it's a little mini. It's a mini cartridge. It's about oh, the same size of a Cocoa game, game, game cartridge. Yeah. It's, got, it's got eight megabytes of flash memory, and it has a, um, a Cocoa DAC on it, too, basically like an Orc 90 with a stereo headphone jack on it, too. So this one probably doesn't have Orc 90. It's just memory. And, um, yeah, as far as I know, yeah. But honestly, you know, for most people, who really needs more than 16 or 32 images to work with? Um and of course, here he's just teasing you with the extender. I think plugged into the yeah, 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 yeah. So very cool. Oh, and and Jim is saying I am I am using I am learning machine language as he writes. So as he's as he's typing to us now, he is already learning assembly to make it make the program better. <laughs> yeah, William Astle and I have been helping him a little bit, just you know, little bits that he had questions on because okay. he's used to six five zero two versus yeah. six eight zero nine. Hey, next up, the Coco Cruise released their new episode here. Uh, a little bit of a shorter one. It's about an hour and three quarters, I think it was. Um, Neil did a review of the new latest version of the Coco SDC Explorer, which he's quite impressed with. Um, Ron Klein did a little tech segment on doing software development with the Coco Pie, which is a yeah, good, good Yeah, that was a great summary. I like that. Yeah. And then the host discussion, uh, does ease of use matter for hobbies? I don't know if we want to talk about this. I did send them an email. I don't know if they'll read that one on the air because it was a pretty lengthy one. Because I was going through, there's different levels of ease of use. And there's different, you know, user bases Is this, the well, uh, um, Do you want to maybe get through the rest of the news and then we can come back and then maybe we can chew yeah, on that one yeah, for a bit? Yeah, leave that tab open. Because I think it is a, an interesting topic to, to cover. So. <laughs> that's one way to put it. Uh, <laughs> uh, it seems like that's going to be something. I'm going to. That seems like a potential for asparagus. <laughs> oh, this is the Grande Puissance de Traitement a Peaks of a Peaks Affordable. Wow, something. I didn't know you were so bilingual. Yeah, listen, hey, how, uh, how <laughs> you say? Flawless you French me, I, I could have swore you were from Paris. Yes, yes, uh, yes. Uh, so anyway, yeah, Fabian, Fabian Rodriguez uh, from Quebec. <laughs> this is Canadian French, so a little bit different than, than France. Yeah, no, is that the difference? Okay. Yeah, it's Canadian <laughs> French. It's not like the American French, like Les French, I'm not sure. Mm. <laughs> Canadian but he, French. He pulled out a, an old keyboard. ad from one of the Radio Shack catalogs from 1984 for the Color Computer 2. Now, this is the earlier one with the melted keyboard, of course. Nice. And the prices are in Canadian, which were quite a bit more than the States were at the time. I remember this from the uh, Canadian side, but... Uh, I haven't actually seen one of the French uh, Radio Shack catalogs from this time period before, so that was kind of interesting to me to see how the French presented it. Um, 
kind of an interesting bit of history. They still got the wrong badge. Oh, you mean spelling color with uh, just one O? Mm. Right. Okay. Nah, you can't be perfect, I guess. That's how they spell it in Fort Worth. <laughs> <laughs> Yeehaw. America. America. So next up, we have Antonio uh, Eli has actually put a couple things up related to the high-res interface from Tandy. So the first thing he did, he did a remastered manual. I won't show it here. You can download it. It's on the Facebook group. Um, but basically, it's the entire little mini manual that was a little fold and that fitted in the tiny box. So he's retyped the entire thing in Microsoft Word, which you can also read in LibreOffice if you if you don't have Word. Um, but completely retyped sets, so you can scale it and you know print it out or whatever else. So it's nice and easily readable. So that was part one of what he did. And then the second one, he worked with uh, Paul Shoemaker here and has actually made the files to print out a new box. Oh, neat. Actually, have the die cutting materials, or you go to an actual print place, you can actually, um, you know, basically duplicate the entire original box. That's neat. That's kind of what Tim Linder did with the uh, cocoa cartridge. Funny you should mention that because Tim mentioned that he might have to give this a try Ah. because he's got the equipment to do this. This is so cool, man. This is like paper art, man. So so the original uh, joystick interface box, and maybe this was a Tandy thing altogether, but it had had no color whatsoever on it. It was just a black and white printed cardboard box. Yep. Right. Wow, they knew how to sell product, didn't they? Yeah, they did. Well, you know, coloring cost extra, so Tandy couldn't have any of that. (laughs) It's uh, almost like generic packaging from the manufacturer. It's not it. (laughs) (laughs) I think if you're buying one of these, you know what what you were buying. So yeah, really yeah. We weren't that. we weren't buying things yeah. for the box, you know. That's true. I think the yeah. most colorful thing on my high res joystick interface uh, box is the the uh, yellow and red sail tag. <laughs> 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 yeah. oh, Lord. I mean, to be honest, I mean this this interface, even when it came out, I think it was only eight or nine bucks, so they weren't making much of a profit. It was basically so they could get some high res joystick and mouse. Basically, high res mouse support was the reason it was created. So, right. I think it was nine ninety five US according to the uh, oh, outlet yeah, maybe tag that's on right, here. Yeah, the starting price. I think it went down after seven ninety five or eight ninety five or something. Yeah, the, this one says special ad price two dollars. Oh well, you got a wicked deal there. I, I didn't. You know, I, I this was just in a lot of stuff I got, so I don't even. I didn't even pay that much for it. It's interesting. The circuit is very convoluted. It's obvious they built it to be one chip and very yep. few accessory parts. Well, Steve York is the one who designed it, and he actually had a much more robust high-res interface. He originally submitted to Tandy, which would have cost about $20 retail or something like that. It was much smoother. It didn't sell the machine down with all this you know, software you had to do to interface it properly to get the high-res. And they nixed all because of price, and this is what the result was. Oh, that's great. You, made, okay, you, cool. made, you designed something well that works well that people will enjoy, but can you make it cheaper? Because <laughs> we're Tandy. <laughs> no, I think that leads to why did Tandy do that? Right. Spoiler alert, because to it was save cheap. Save money. <laughs> 20 bucks yeah. wouldn't have been unreasonable to pay for. Well, 20 yeah, bucks cost. Well, cost. Oh, yeah, oh, that's, that's cost. cost. Yeah, and they, and they, and they, oh. want, they wanted yeah, like and a 40-point margin on everything. I think Steve oh, mentioned that this cost parts-wise for Tandy was like a buck fifty or a buck or something. Oh, okay. like that. It was yeah. yes, it was something ridiculously low. So yes, it was the standard Radio Shack profit margin. <laughs> Even that two dollar one you got, Jason, that one is probably still making them a profit. Yeah. Could have been, absolutely. Next uh. up after that, Joel Reese uh, has posted a link in his blog, and this is something he's been promising for a while uh, to do a, a tutorial, basically on C 
compilers in the C language, which he does cover on various systems like Linux and Windows, etc. But he also wants to cover specifically cover the C compiler in OS9, Nitrous 9. So this is his very first Hello World article with some sample code and kind of explaining how the commands work and what exactly you're doing. And and then he later on specifically mentions that it will work with the compiler, the standard microware C compiler that you know you could buy for OS nine, and it should work with Jeff's updated DCC compiler that's part of EOU. So for those of you who are interested in just getting started into C and C on the Cocoa in specific, it's a good article to read. And he is going to be making more. He's going to make this a series. Next up, uh, Gary Moulton in the Dragon Group submitted a very small little machine language source code uh, for a little routine that you can call with a US user function, USR, in BASIC. And it'll take a string you pass to it, and it'll convert it all to uppercase at full machine language speed. So if you need that, we used to use these types of things for BBSs and stuff to you know parse passwords and stuff. But uh, rather than you have to just go in BASIC and do a foreign exit, which is quite slow, you can just do this, and it's a really small routine. It's like 30-some-odd bytes, so it doesn't even take much RAM. But you can actually have it convert you know, at machine language speeds, and the source code is provided. So for you uh, budding as semi-language programs that are just getting started, that's a nice little routine to throw into your toolbox. And the next up after that, we have the Retro Channel. Now, we covered him when he was doing the Septandi stuff, so he'd actually designed a composite, an S-video circuit, uh, for the Coco One, so on this particular one, uh, he he went to his fellow Australian's place, Mister Lurch, who we featured last week, because he was having problems getting a decent signal out of his Coco One. So we actually went and visited him here, because they're allowed to do that in Australia, um, and and got it working with the uh, S Video mod. And Australia, nice everybody in Australia has gotten a Vegemite um, vaccine, so that will cure you from <laughs> anything. So. Yeah, including taste buds like itself, etc. <laughs> um, so anyway, the video kind of covers him fixing this up for Mr. Lich, but then he also goes on at the very end and mentions that he's doing a revision of it as well. And uh, he's kind of cleaned up the circuit a little bit, improved it a little bit from his original one he did back at the Septandi. And he also mentions that his next future project he can be doing on the Coco is to actually get it to work with component video. Where you have your oh, breaking separate. it out, yeah, nice. it should be even better quality. So, um, looking forward to that too. So, uh, yeah, but he goes through the new circuit here where he kind of simplifies it and then he shows some of the differences. Like, here's the old composite mod, right? Which, which we, definitely we, looked better than the original one because you still can see some yeah. of the wavy stuff in yeah. the middle here yeah. on the color blocks, okay? And then now the that's super colors. clean there, those artifacts look good. Good choice in games. And he goes a little oh, I love of, what he's uh, done there with the diagram. That's right. I really approve. That's yep. good. I like that. <laughs> nice, colorful, and, and yeah. you know, I like that C three four seventy p thingy he did there. Good work. And that's um, how clear it comes out now with the new. Oh yeah, there's no waviness in the blocks. Yeah. You could see the wavies in the blocks before. Yeah. I think we should just have a segment where Stevie just reads schematics. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Dramatic like readings. Me talking about solder. Right. Dramatic yeah. schematic readings by Dramatic schematics. <laughs> Dramatic schematics. <laughs> oh, Lord. We're all. And doomed. here's his S video output, which is nice and clean. There's a little bit of like, like color fringing on some of them, but it's it's really clean, straight edge lines, et cetera, too. So I'm really interested where it's going to be coming up with this component video. And it's a really cool video. He actually gives a shout out to AC's 8 bit zone because he actually used some stuff that he had oh, done wow. on one of his videos, too. So. 
I don't wait know a second. Wait a second. So that you have one person who's doing a cocoa broadcast acknowledging another person who does a cocoa broadcast in a positive way. Yes. Wow. Imagine that. It's community. Wow. That's cool. Who to oh, think good it? Good video. Go check it out, guys. <laughs> Next up, uh, this is um, a bug. Now, a bug is a club, I guess, that is about the BBC Micro and the Acorn Electron. Acorn Electron. Um, basically, they're on virtual meetings now because the UK is in lockdown, just like you know most of North America is at this time. Uh, so they did a virtual meeting here. Now, one of the things they covered is this RGB to HDMI project and then how to hook up to various 8-bit systems from back in the day. One of them, including, is a dragon. So I'll just play their little intro here because this is a new channel I haven't seen before. I like that. I like these guys with their cool graphic animations and stuff, man. And they have rocking tunes just like we do, so that's cool. So Ian Bradbury is a person that did this here. Now he goes through and he explains the whole, you know, how the thing works. And uh, but if you notice in the background here, he's got a bunch of computers that he actually has done this mod to. And the second from the right is the dragon. Okay. Yeah. So if you want to learn how that works, and this is you know hooking up to HDMI monitors type thing, and it covers a whole ton. There's a, over half a dozen systems that it, it's verified to work. And he does TI ninety nine dragons, acorns. Um. You know, just various machines, spectrums, etc., too. So it actually covers a wide gamut. So anybody's into a lot of the retro computing, a variety of machines, this might be of interest to you because it looks like the same circuit with a couple of tweaks for each system will actually get it running on all of them. And it's a channel I'd not seen before, so it was cool. The last is just a little tiny bit here, uh, just to mention that the Matchbox Coco release of Ease of Use Beta 601 just got put up last night. So that it supports the 80 by 60 text modes and a few other things that are unique to the Matchbox. Hold that thought right now. We, so, again, you were talking about um, – well, let me cue my soundbite here. Ease of use. There we go. Ease of use. Okay. Very cool. <laughs> so the Matchbox Coco is one of the hardware emulation platforms, right? So yeah, that, that Roger was, Taylor does. That is before he moved over to the Mr., right? So now yes. there's a Mr. Coco. Before Mister, there was Matchbox Coco, which used to be called something else, Coco on a Chip, or I forgot what it was called before. There was a few different names for this. Yeah. And then, of course, uh, the Coco FPGA. Right. And, and, um, and of course, uh, Bill Noble has this, so it's easy for him to test and, and roll out updates to the, ba- the EOU project on that platform because he's got the machine. Yeah. And So currently, it's on my, uh, it's on my site right now for download, um, along with all the rest of the regular versions of it. And uh, the Color Computer Archive has the regular versions now available for download there, too, if you want to grab them from there. Uh, I have submitted it to for the Matchbox version, so that should be up there you know, later this week. Very cool. Now, are you, are you guys supporting Coco 3 FPGA at all right now with, with ease of use? It does work with it. There's some custom stuff that the uh, bootloader, or one of the versions of the bootloader does, that actually will not work with the core kernel because it's, the modifications they did are too big and I can't put in the speed-ups. Okay. So your choice is you either have to not use this special, I think it's a YDOS-based bootloader or something like that. I don't I remember the details off the top. Ron, Ron, if he's, or not, Ron or uh, Mikey actually can probably give you the specifics because I know they've hit this problem. You can boot it up using our system, but then you lose some of that extra functionality they added, but you get the speed-ups, the main kernel speed-ups. Okay. Or vice versa, you can run their version, but you, you can't run the newest 
you know, kernel updates. Okay. That's the rest, like the graphics sub drivers and stuff that we've added to, those will work fine. It's just that one little chunk of the OS that doesn't fit on there quite correctly. So, yeah. And that. When it comes to hardware alternatives for the Cocoa 3, we've got plenty to, <laughs> plenty to choose from, right? Yeah. And the Mr., I mean, the Mr.'s got two cores. There's the public domain one, the Dave Shutoff, who we've yeah. had on, is actually a little bit involved with himself. That's a free one. That's one that uh, Frodo's been using on his live Cocoa streams. And then Roger Taylor has this commercial one where if you join his Patreon for one month, I think it's $5 a month, then you can get access to his Cocoa 3 card, which he constantly updates too. So, Yeah, I was, I was kind of curious to hear your guys' opinion on that. I mean, we basically have two competing core platforms for the <clears throat> Mr. here. We have one that's free and one that you got to pony up some cash for. Um, you know, which one do we have any other Mr. users in here right now? And which one do you use well, and why? Do one you is Cocoa 2 and the other is Cocoa 3. Okay. Okay. And there's also the an Alice hit. core uh, for the Mister as well. Alice MC10. Um, I'm not sure if anybody on the panel has a Mister, but I know Frodo does. Frodo NL, I think he does play games on the Mister using yeah. using the uh, core. So and he's got both cores. Okay. Uh, so yeah, actually Frodo's chiming in right now. Um, so does anybody here on the panel have a Mister? And, and has have you? Has anybody here used a Mister? And I have a I have a Mrs. Has one. <laughs> Ron says I have a Mrs. <laughs> and he does the uh, he's got the commercial Coco Three core and it works really well. It's really nicely done. Okay. Yeah, Rogers put a lot of work into it, which I think is why he wants to at least you know get a little bit of payback for it. Um, yeah, I, I don't. I don't have a problem with somebody, you know, uh, asking for some for some dough, you know, based on you know the work that they put into it. I was just curious about the differences between the public domain one and the and yeah. the paid one. Yeah. Basically, one is one Cocoa is one and two, and one is Cocoa three. That's okay. The main. Okay. And I think the Cocoa one that Dave's working on, I think that's probably still kind of a work in progress. Is that's not necessarily fully realized yet, or is it? I think it's pretty good. Frodo, if you want to join in either on the call or just in the chat there, but I think it, the Cocoa one and two core is actually pretty good. Is it? Okay. I, just, I thought I remember, by the way, he was explaining so. it was. Maybe when he was first talking about it, he was kind of saying it's Yeah. All right. So maybe it's 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 gone past that at this point. Okay. Uh, all right. How about we take a break, and then we'll come back. Um Ooh, we, break. we have, um, uh, did anybody else have anything else they wanted to update or share? Um, no, 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 no. Anyone? Anyone? Okay. So, yeah, I need a potty break. I'm not sure about Ron Delvo, but I need a potty break. Uh, so we're going to take a commercial break, and then we'll come back with more Coco Talk after these words. Let me find out what commercial we're going to play this time. We've had some good ones. We've had uh, Fletcher. No, we haven't had Fletcher. We've had Coco Do. We've had TV Games. <laughs> Uh, so maybe we do need Fletcher. I think we do. I think the world needs Fletcher right we now. Need Let me Fletcher more than ever. We need Fletcher. She will go far, and we'll we will be back after these words. After these messages, we'll be right back. Fletcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. Great, JT. I need it tonight. But JT. Fletcher saved three hundred dollars on her office away from the office. Radio Shack's revolutionary Model One Hundred computer. It's a word processor, phone directory, and dialer. It even communicates with the office computer. Fletcher, how's that report? Fletcher. Radio Shack's Model One Hundred saved three hundred dollars and put it to work. You'll go far, Fletcher. <laughs> You'll go far. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel. Gimes. On holidays, Uncle JT would entertain us with stories of his business conquests, and his assistant, 
who would meet any deadline that he imposed, no matter how ridiculous. Well, until she shot him in the face, that is. Hi, this is the award-winning Alan Huffman of Subby the Software, and you're watching Stevie Fall Off Cliffs. What's going on, guys? Stevie Stroh here, and I want to say thank you so much for being part of this adventure with us. It's been such a great experience in doing Coco Talk every week, and the support we get is just amazing. And so the fact that you watch and listen is all the reward that we need. However... Oh. What happened there? Uh-oh. After these messages, we'll be right back. Fletcher, I don't need that report tomorrow. Great, JT. I need it tonight. But, JT... Fletcher saved $300 on her office away from the office. Radio Shack's revolutionary Model 100 computer. It's a word processor, phone directory, and dialer. It even communicates with the office computer. Fletcher, how's that report? Fletcher. Radio Shack's Model 100. Save $300 and put it to work. You'll go far, Fletcher. <laughs> You'll go far. And now, Coco Thoughts by Samuel Gimes. On holidays, Uncle JT would entertain us with stories of his business conquests and his assistant who would meet any deadline that he imposed, no matter how ridiculous. Well, until she shot him in the face, that is. Hi, this is the award-winning Alan Huffman of Subby the Software, and you're watching Stevie Fall Off Cliffs. What's going on, guys? Stevie Stroh here, and I want to say thank you so much for being part of this adventure with us. It's been such a great experience in doing Coco Talk every week, and the support we get is just amazing. And so the fact that you watch and listen is all the reward that we need. However, if you would like to become a patron of the show and offer some financial assistance towards the production and hosting costs of the show, we do have a Patreon site available for that, and you can reach that by going to our website at cocotalk.live and clicking on the Patreon link. But just do us a favor and watch and listen to the show. This is not the Joey Serial Switch. This is the Joey Serial Switch. Control up to three serial devices. Order yours today at CocoMan.biz. Radio Shack, America's technology store. Right. This Christmas, Tandy has a very special offer. A family color computer pack to take away at a very special price. This family computer comes complete with software and costs an incredible $449, a saving of $241.69. It's powerful, educational, and ideal for the young and young at heart. The easy way to start computing. The color computer family pack from Tandy. Get it while it's hot. Tandy, the biggest electronic store in Australia. Yeah. Hi, I'm Tim. Playing Daggerth like that idiot from the book. <laughs> You're watching Coco Talk. <laughs> All right, and we are back, everybody, with 
everyone's favorite show, Coco Talk, where we, uh, you know, where we do what we do. We talk about the oh, Coco. Frodo's coming in, by the way. Oh, is Frodo, Frodo coming? Frodo's coming in. Okay. I don't know if he wants to talk about... Uh, All right, we'll give him a minute. Yeah, we can have a little bit about segment. the mister there before we get on to Stevie's. Okay. Uh, Sorry. Jane, Oh, yeah, it's weird. Like, the restream chat keeps deja vuing itself, too. I don't know why that's happening. There's this... Okay. Yeah, the... Oh, hopefully you weren't in the chat room, uh, waiting room longer. So the... Um, he's in the waiting room right now. Did somebody hit admit? Oh, I let him in. Okay. I, it seems like it's admit. taking a while. Yeah, it seems like it's taking a while. But, yeah, it's weird. So, the commercial deja vu was just me hitting the button, the wrong button, and then, of course, having to start over again. And then we got Frodo coming in here. Uh, be coming in. Yeah, he's coming around the mountain when he comes. Uh, coming down the mountain when he comes. And while we wait on Frodo coming, we'll hear some Coco thoughts because we're coming around the mountain when he comes. One more time for that Coco thoughts, everybody. And now, Coco thoughts. Rolling, System bus patrolling. Data bugs have strolled and drawn. And things and dead ends. Those bugs are not friends. Aiming and shooting and they died. Power units missing. Success chance dismissing. Hope exit is bound to turn the tide. Find the bugs. Nice Shoot them up. Hit the bugs. Scale them dead. Step on up. Find power and drone. Find more bugs. Aim on up. Fire gun. Make them hurt. Find exit. Ride on out and drone. Yeehaw. All right. So we're gonna, we're not sure if Frodo's going to join us or if he will join us or if he won't join us. Um, all right. So I'm gonna I'm going to do a, a brief editorial segment. Um, here for a moment. So the disclaimer is: this is me speaking. These are my opinions. I'll try to base everything as much on facts and truth and honesty as possible. Uh, and uh, I just kind of want to address some things that have been going around and being discussed in the kind of three hundred pound gorilla, the elephant in the room. Um, and so let's get right to it. Uh, more than one time every few months, you're going to see somebody post something on Facebook or somewhere else saying, why is it that the Coco Talk guys hate the Coco Crew guys? Why are you guys talking about Boise? Why are you guys talking about John? Why do you guys hate this? Why Why is this? Why is that? And, um, and typically when these things come up, we don't even talk about it. I mentioned a few weeks ago, we like to exercise what I would call journalistic integrity. And what journalistic integrity means is that we will choose to just not mention things that are not worth mentioning. You know, when it's one of these he said, she said, somebody's trying to throw some shade or drama. We don't cover that because even though we've been accused of being the Jerry Springer show or being, you know, a train wreck or whatever, uh, we do try to take things seriously. We do try to not be biased. So we typically don't talk about these things, but it's been happening enough and there's things that have been going on. So if anybody who's somewhat on the periphery and has heard these things or wondered these things, because I get people sending me messages on email or Discord saying, why... Why is that other show saying you guys are doing this? And why is there this? And, and why, why is you having that? And honestly, I don't have the best answer, but I will try to give a quick, brief history lesson. And it's kind of what we want to reiterate kind of what our philosophy is as a show. Um, and this is kind of me as a person. I, I always try to... Um, to take a high road, a moral high ground, and to be um, diplomatic and have a set sense of decorum. And so when we cover news, we're going to cover news about anybody, about anything, whether or not that, whether or not these people pretend to like us or don't like us or, or, or throw stones in our direction. We don't withhold 
information. So we'll, when we mention the Coco Crew, we're going to, like we did today, hey, the Coco Crew podcast, and you hear what I said here, the Coco Crew podcast, mentioning them by name. They just released an episode, and here's what's on the episode, and here's what's talked about. I don't call them the other show or some other show because that's just kind of a douchey, dismissive, snar- snarky way to deal with whatever void that somebody has chosen to create for themselves. So I'm just not a fan of that, and we have not done that. So so the whole uh, uh, Coco Talk hates Coco Crew. Well, listen, we're on episode 197. Show me an episode where we have actually been hateful on the air. And I can tell you when we addressed what happened in the past, it was episode 110 that we called Dirty Laundry, where we did talk about, yeah, there were people on the show who – we're not as positive and things like that, and, and we kind of, we finally put a stop to it. So we, if somebody on the panel had a grudge or wanted to keep harping on something, we finally said, yeah, we're not, we're not doing that. That's not what we are as a show. So that was two years ago when we publicly said, okay, this was, these were our sins. These were our past transgressions. That's not what we're going to do. That's not what we're going to let happen. And we've moved on. So nobody has said anything about anyone in – and over two years, but for whatever reason, there are still people who have grudges, who who harbor resentments and harbor animosities. And what it's doing is it's just casting shade. And then when it gets into the public where, you know, you start posting things on social media, why do these people hate this? And why are these people, you know, why is there this? I can tell you from my perspective and from this show, that's not who we are. That is not what we do. And I would invite anybody to find the episode where that's happening and, and show me the clip. Because if it's out there, I will I will retract that statement. So I don't think that's what we've ever done. But one of the things that Curtis has just mentioned and one of the things that I brought up and why I'm being snarky with it, this particular show is that when you run a show and you use that time and that platform to just be dismissive of other members of the community because you don't like them, which is what we are being accused of doing, and we obviously don't, I think we need to turn the mirror on where the problem really is. And so I'm gonna, we're going to use this episode of The Coco Crew. By the way, The Coco Crew, not the other show, The Coco Crew Podcast, and just give you some examples of some stuff that's going on that we are not doing, but we need to get this out there and then let whatever happens. You guys be your own judges. But um, why did this happen? Why... Um, why are things the way they are? I can only tell you why I think it is because I'm not anybody else, but I know, and this is what I imagine. If you, if you think of like when you look at a map of when the earth was the one continent of Tunisia or whatever it was called, and then the tectonic plate shifted and we did Indeed. things, go ahead. at some point in time that happened. And so, uh, so there became an island and that island seems to be mad at the rest of the world is how I am seeing this from my point of view. And and when did that happen? That happened about two years ago at Coco Fest when the whole memory gate issue came up and we don't need to get into the details, but you know, there they a certain group of people decided this is how we're gonna talk about how products need to be sold and most everybody disagreed with that and we had the audacity to disagree and mention that publicly and ever since then the world has not been the same. But what we did, I thought we did in a fairly high road way of doing it too. When we mentioned it, we waited probably a month to mention it, right? Because it was about four weeks after Cocoa Fest before we brought it up. So it wasn't like we were full of angst, we were full of emotion, we were ready to, you know, crucify anything. But it needed to be talked about. And I think we talked about it in a fairly decent way. And again, two years ago, that was mentioned and everybody has moved on. And so when it comes to the he said, she said, and when people are being positive or negative or shady or dismissive, we typically, we don't bring it up. We don't talk about it. And we always 
have the philosophy of don't poke the bear, don't feed the troll, just move on. If somebody else wants to be bitter, wants to be negative, we're not going to we're not going to acknowledge that. We're just going to be we're going to listen. This is a hobby. We're having fun. This is what we want to do. Um, so that's all I have to say about that show and the philosophy of the show. This is kind of who I am as a person. I am not a bitter person. I'm not an evil person. I'm not a grudge holding person. I don't let my personal feelings in, influence how I behave in public, you know. So, uh, and I think that is the spirit of this show because there's enough of us on our uh, planning channel where we talk about this on a daily basis. What do we want to talk about? What do we not want to talk about? How do we want to present? ourselves to the world and unanimously everybody on this show is like no we're not going to do this we're not going to go down we're not going to go to this level we're not going to make this the mud slinging show we're a fun show about a hobby where people who enjoy the hobby one we want to be positive and i think by me saying that that should be stating the obvious but if it wasn't that's my opinion on what i think this show is and the people on this show how they conduct themselves both on and off the air so I don't know what else to say to that end. But again, getting to who talks about who on the air, let's use this most... uh, Well, let's let's acknowledge a sin that we possibly did, Curtis and I did, a few weeks ago, or maybe a month ago, when the host topic discussion was, uh, are modern upgrades distorting the hobby? And that wasn't planned, and that wasn't trying to intentionally burn somebody at the stake, but that was a real genuine reaction, like, are you serious? Are you effing serious? You know what I mean? Because we just both thought that was ridiculous, and it was a very real-time, unfiltered reaction to a pretty ridiculous question. Is a modern upgrade distorting the hobby? What kind of question is that, in my opinion? But anyways, we digest. So was that wrong of us to do it that way? You be the judge. I'm not going to retract what I said. I said what I said. I'm not going to apologize for it. But is that the most recent time we maybe said something bad about them on the air, on this show? That's the only recent occurrence I can think happen. Um, But other than that, we don't withhold news. If somebody said something bad about us two years ago, we don't use as an opportunity to ignore them and ignore their and ignore talking about them on our show. But the same can't be said for that other show. So uh, we need to call a spade a spade here. And we need to set the record straight. This is not who we are. This is not what we do. And and unfortunately, these host topic discussions have been a history of ambiguous ways that passive aggressively trying to strike back at somebody who had the nerve to say something about me or somebody else who's doing something in the hobby who's having fun and it's not us so the whole ease of use topic i've again i'm going to call bs on that why use the name of the ease of use project why open up a, a rhetorical question of is ease of use good or bad for the hobby i don't know is it was it a real topic or is it a way to you know, again, put, you know, put some dismissiveness on other people who we don't like anymore. I don't know. But you brought it up in the news. I thought we would talk about that. But, you know, I don't know. I listened to the podcast and I, I took that as like a lot of these host discussions was a very thinly veiled attempt at trying to get back at somebody because I don't like them or they said something about me. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. Call a spade a spade. But I am not going to be ambiguous about my statements and i'm done and uh, anybody else wants to say anything go ahead that's it i cleared the room i sucked the life out of the show (laughs) no i Um, I think what you said i just don't think there's much more to be said i think you said it very well 
Um, but I, I, I know I enjoy the synergy that happens between different groups. Like we have John here today from Amigos Retro Gaming, and you know we we've met some great people there, and we have Canadian Retro Things who joins the show, and and I, and I think that that sort of community could extend through the whole community. There's there's no reason to have any sort of any sort of uh, you know boundaries, especially when we're of. doing a hobby. This is a hobby, you know so, what I mean? So uh, yeah. But um, so if anybody has seen or heard, uh, you know, statements saying that we are a hateful group of people who are hating on a certain show, other than me mentioning it now for literally maybe the second time in two years, I, I don't see it. And if I if I'm wrong, call me wrong and I'll and I'll uh, I'll admit it. But that's not who I am. That's what I, what I think this show is. Let me and, ask you a question, Stevie. Yeah. Have any of the guys from the other show ever been on this show? They yes, used, they to, used be to be on be before the Great Divide. They used to be so, on. You know, you guys. I know you don't want to talk about it, but there are people, and I would I would wager maybe even the majority of people that are watching right now, because a lot of people, you know, more and more people are tuning into this show for the first time every week. People don't know about the past, and people don't know about the incident as it is as it transpired. And I'm one of those people. So could you could you just give us a short summary? Honestly, of what went down? I I don't I I don't know that that's necessary for the sake of the show. That's just dredging up the past. Um, real quickly, uh, it had to do with with another person selling a memory board and this whole stance of well, number one, we are trying to discredit this person, and number two, well, no, you shouldn't make this because somebody else makes it, and you know, it was just it was, a, and that's a very short, short, short version of it, but. We call that we call that incident memory gate because you know it had to do with memory at the time. But really, the bigger stance was uh, all of a sudden uh, we we don't want somebody else making something that we make is kind of what it boiled down to. And 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 you know we're going to now try to discredit somebody for doing that by saying the product doesn't do this or this person didn't design it. And you know a lot of mudslinging that went along with that too, which was just not necessary. So that's the short, short, short version of that. And again, I, I say I don't live in the past, but I think that was the incident that caused the divide because the the camaraderie has never been there, despite numerous attempts at trying to reach out an olive branch and stuff like that. So, like I say, we have a stance that says we're just not going to we're not going to do anything to feed trolls to give them an excuse to talk about us. But it's been two years, and it's still happening. It's, ha- it's happening right now, like saying that other show. Oh, yeah, he talked about this on that other show. There's no reason to do that because we don't do that. Um, mentioning the newsletter. Oh, yeah, some people say it was the best newsletter. I'm not sure I agree with that, though, but it was okay. You know what I mean? So it's just like if something comes out of this camp, it needs to be dismissed for because that's how we feel now. And I think that's irresponsible broadcasting, in my opinion, that if I don't like somebody, I'm just going to find a way to dismissively talk about them or not talk about them at all and is not even mention things. Like, I'm pretty sure they never covered uh, the virtual Cocoa Fest. Didn't happen, right? So if you're, if you're providing news, why not talk about the biggest news event that happened in the year? It was not even mentioned in the show notes or events or anything right. like that. So, so again, getting to the whole who's talking about who, it's not us. And, and again, I'm, I'm done. I'm putting a lid in that conversation other than anybody wants to do that. But just because it comes up and it's like the elephant in the room that you have to talk about, I've talked about it right now. I've said my piece. We don't do that. This is not who we are. This is not what this show is. But the animosity still exists. But it's not well, being perpetuated from here. I can tell you this, Stevie. You know, we, Aaron and I do another another 
TRS-80 Clark Computer Show, you know, the Coco Show. And we have gotten nothing but positive feedback from the Coco Talk community. I believe that if, if you know, if other shows are, are finding things to complain about as far as Coco, Coco Talk goes, it's all in their heads. I mean, th- think about it. I'm here right now on the show. You know, it was easy for me. Curtis sent me an invite on Zoom and I'm here on the show and I'm participating on the show. And if people from that other show don't want to come on to me it's only it's only it's it's on them because you're extent like you said you're extending the invitation and and they're the ones that are choosing not to accept it and not to participate yeah anyways okay so i'm done i'm done i've i've said my piece i've gotten my grief off of my chest um and i just think and unfortunately I, i just felt like i had to say this because again sometimes you just hear certain things and it's like oh my god really are you still are you guys still upset about something that happened two years ago because somebody said something you know i don't know but um what you know what i try to think about this show when it comes to kind of the responsibility i look at it is i look at what we're doing is really we are creating new history like we're talking about historical things we're talking about the glory days of the coco but 20 years from now, somebody's going to be watching this when we are, you know, dead and buried. And this is going to be history for a future generation of retro enthusiasts. And I would like to look back at the legacy of what we've done these four years on the show. And I'd like to be able to look back with pride on what we've been as a program and what we've done and how we've represented the community with, um, with integrity and respect. And I think... I can be completely proud of this show, you know, 99.7%. We've had a few moments where a few people got a little off the deep end, but this, again, it's live where people are humans, but I can look back and not be ashamed of this show. Like, oh my God, I let all my personal griefs and vices and influence, you know, most of what went on the air. That doesn't happen. So I'm going to sleep real well. I'm going to look back and say, I'm proud of what we did here. If we never do another show, I will never cringe. Like, I cringe at my early YouTube videos because they're embarrassing. But I'm not going to look back and cringe at too many of these almost 200 episodes that we've done because we're real people being real. And I think we're good people doing good work and we try our best. And I think that usually speaks for itself. But I'm stating what is hopefully obvious to everybody. Uh, And Frodo, sorry you had to get sucked into that. We wanted to get you on first before the drama moment. Hey, and I have not spoken to you in person ever, Frodo. (laughs) No worries, no worries. I uh, know there was an issue, and uh, it was on my side. It turned out I had to update Zoom before I could get in. Ah, 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 ah. Um, So, number one, welcome. And thank, thank you, you, thank you for being in the game on challenge, and thank you for doing all your live streams and all that cool stuff. We appreciate you. And um, do you have some feedback on misters and all that kind of stuff? Because a lot of us are not messing in that world. Yeah, I've been playing a lot with uh, Mister, as you know. Um, all my streams basically are done from the Mister, and I have done a few Coco uh, things. Um, there are, of course, yeah. There's two uh, f- uh, different Coco cores at the moment on the Mister, the one uh, commercial one, I'll call it uh, for the Coco Three, which is pretty well developed. Has a few small issues, but mostly runs everything that would run on the Coco Three, with very few exceptions. Uh, then there's a newer one for the Coco Two. Which is clearly still not developed completely. Um, I saw it, for instance, with uh, this week's uh, game. 
Um, it worked, but there were weird sounds coming out of it uh, in certain situations. There are small things that are not really there yet, but it's getting better and better. Um, for most stuff, I will usually use uh, the Coco Tree uh, uh, core from Roger. That is just the more, most stable one for now. But the okay. Coco 2 one is being developed mostly at the moment, and that's clear. So w- would you say that stability is the number one reason? You know, if you've got a Mr. Uh, owner that is sort of on the fence about whether to support the paid version of the core, because let, let's be honest, you know, most cores are free. And the people that are, uh, you know, producing these paid cores are in the minority. Would you say that, that just the stability of the platform and, of course, Cocoa 3 support is the number one reason to support, you know, the, the paid core for the Cocoa? Yeah, at the moment, yes. Um, the Coco 2 core is still being developed, so in time that would, uh, will probably uh, shift more towards the Coco 2 core, but for now, the Coco 3 core is the one I usually use unless I cannot use it for a game. Like this week's uh, game at first, uh, later I got the newer ver- new, uh, patch first, and that did work in the Coco 3, and then it changed to the Coco 3 because it's just more stable. It, you just know that it usually works. Nothing you have to do there. With Coke 2 Core, I still have to hope that it works. Sometimes it does, sometimes it doesn't. And as I said, this time it was the audio that didn't work 100%. It works, but it, it's too early yet to use, really, as a production machine between quotes. You're um, basically a beta tester know, right now, is what you're saying. Yeah, at this moment, it's still in beta phase. Um, and I'm, uh, as you know, I stream this stuff, so I prefer, prefer to have... Uh, a stable machine when I'm streaming, and yeah, that's the Coco 2 core is not there yet. It's getting better, but it's not there yet. And just for curiosity, for people who don't have a Mr. maybe be interested in getting one, for the Coco 2 core, the free one, how often are they doing updates? Is that like a once a week thing, a once a month thing? Or? Um, I don't know the exact dates. I think I saw two since January 1st. One or two since oh, January Oh, so they're actually 1st. updating it fairly regularly? Well, they are actually updating, but there is a lot of updates that are um, actually done on general at the moment because I see uh, the guy behind and I can't think of his name now. He's updating all the cores at the moment. Dave Shadoff. Like, yeah, thank you. Mm-hmm. To uh, support um, uh, multi uh, resolutions, etc. So there's a lot of cores that get updated at the moment. So I'm not quite sure if the Coco 2 core was just a separate update or if one of them was part of the general updates that are coming by at the moment. Hey, how did you get your name? Ah, uh, <laughs> that's from the 80s. Uh, my first name is Frank, and my last name ends in road, uh, starts with Rodo. Frank so, Roto for Frank F. F. Roto. So, yeah. so it's got nothing to do with exactly. Lord of the Rings. Uh, yes and no. I am a lo- big Lord of the Rings fan. I uh, read uh, The Hobbit nine times, of which once in Dutch and the rest in English, and Lord of the Rings uh, eight times alone uh, wow. in English. So I am a fan of it, but that was part of it. What happened was I was signing uh, stuff for uh, my bank account, etc., in my uh, teens. And at some point, I started with completely Frank Rodolph, all written out, and that uh, I became lazier and lazier on writing when you do it more. You it know? just morphed into Frodo. Yeah. <laughs> and it became, uh, became Frodolph, and then at some point, the uh, classmate said, hey, you're signing Frodo. And I got stuck with the name, and well, it works. Nah. I added the NL because on most uh, international sites, I can't get Frodo by itself, so I use the Frodo NL usually. Yeah. And is NL for Netherlands? And that was from Netherlands, indeed, yes. 
Yeah, because I always yeah, thought you meant you were here. a hobbit from the Netherlands. I thought that's what that meant. So. Well, that's where they shot it, isn't it? Where they, isn't that where they shot it? Or no, New Zealand. That was New, New Zealand. Zealand. No, that, was New, that was New Zealand. It started with yeah, an N. I was, was close. Yeah. <laughs> and that will have that some. <laughs> it's uh, exactly opposite sides, but yeah, you're close. New, um, it could have been New Jersey, North Carolina. And they all start with N. Typical American. Evie's geography, yes. I believe it's somewhere southwest of Kentucky, Steve. Yes. There is actually some confusion sometimes about the NL part. I used to play online poker. And some people thought I was talking about No Limit, even though I played Limit Tables. So ah. confusing at times. And then our Canadian friends have their own issue with it because they often think that it's Newfoundland and Labrador. Yep. Because <laughs> that's also shortened to NL. Yeah, lots of abbreviations there. Uh, and I like your uh, Raspberry Pi logo shirt there, too. That's nice. Nice touch. Thank you. Yeah, I... Uh, tend to wear uh, geeky shirts uh, or shirts from uh, trade channels I support. And uh, thankfully, uh, well, with the work from home, it's even easier, but even at the office, I'm allowed to wear those, so we don't have to wear suits, thankfully. Nice. Oh, my goodness. All right. Well, is there anything else we need to talk about? Um, anything else after I dra- drag everything to a screeching halt and just left a big old brown stain on the nice white rug that we had that was a perfectly good episode uh, anyone 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 yeah Can so I something? yes uh, sloopy okay um, one thing that I forgot to mention during my update is I wanted to send out a thank you to a couple people um, Brett Gordon who um, um gave me his uh, nod to allow me to ins- to include uh, YA DOS on the uh, ah. wire board and to uh, Boise Pete who also allowed me to uh, include the uh, HDB DOS on my drive wire board nice nice does Boise Good. own uh, that rights to that I'm not, I'm not in well as I talked to you about it before about who owns it and such um HGB DOS is under the um, uh, what's it called the the Creative Commons the tools. Or, tools. Uh, oh, Toolshed. Toolshed. Yeah, toolshed. It's under Toolshed, and ah. Toolshed itself is um, public domain. Uh-huh. But HGB DOS is it doesn't really say. Okay. And, and going through the source, it does it does say copyright by Boise. So I just wanted to make sure. Oh yeah, absolutely. No, I didn't even know that. No, that's the right thing to do. I was just yeah. I was not aware of um yeah, oh absolutely. It's always and and my last uh thank you is to uh Mikey um for Pi Drivewire, which is what I use for uh Drivewire accessing it. Um the Pi Drivewire three and four uh will also work with it, but Personally, I, I'm using Pi DriveWire, and I'd like to thank Mikey for uh, his uh, his his project. Yeah, it is a great uh, product. It's a great project, and um, that's one of the things that Ron Klein had kind of summarized. It was a nice little um, segment that Ron put that they put on the um, podcast in the most recent episode of the Cocoa Crew. But he kind of gave a whole summary of. Um, 
the Cocoa Pie from a developer side of things, like the fact that it runs Pi Drivewire and Drivewire Four and MC, uh, and you can run a dedicated MC server or you can run the MC server over Pi Drivewire. All the development tools he did mention that Toolshed was in there, and he mentioned all the people who contribute to Toolshed, like Boise was one of them, and Tormod and William Astle and a few others, right? So, yeah, um, it's neat. There, there are so many. There are so many, you know, it makes your head spin, you know. This is one thing I love, what I've loved about being part of, of the community is because I'm not a hardware guy at all. I'm not I'm not a solder, circuit breaker, circuit maker type of guy. I'm not really a software development kind of guy. But I feel like I am amongst enough knowledge and I am smart enough to absorb enough to feel like I'm reasonably cognizant of these things where I have an above average understanding of a lot of these things. And I just credit that to so many people who are doing so many things. I'm not asking completely dumb questions when I'm trying to understand things. I'm asking guided questions to help me get more enlightenment on these things. And um, you don't, you don't reach that way overnight, but there's, there's enough people around and there's enough knowledge and projects and people who are willing to share that you can become pretty savvy of a lot of these things just by hanging out and talking and asking questions and, and um, the, the willingness to share that information. Like you just mentioned, all the people who are helping you with the Yados and everything else. All that kind of stuff is really cool. So, you know, in the past, like, five years, since I went from playing YouTube videos, not even knowing how the game was supposed to be played, to being able to talk to the authors of the games and then being able to talk to people on a weekly basis about how hardware works and when I'm making a project this is how this is the this is the circuit board and this is this and this and that I'm never going to design a circuit board but I understand reasonably well what that process is like now because there's enough people doing it sharing that and I think we all kind of get this um a vicariousness of these things by the people who are sharing those talents with us all. And I appreciate that. I absorb little pieces and I bring it in and it makes me a little bit more informed and interested uh, in the various aspects of the hobby. For me, I'm just going to want to play games. I like shiny things. I like pictures. I like sounds. I like whiz bang. You know, um, I'm not as interested in what makes it work, but I appreciate that there are the people that have to make it work. There are the scientists that have to make the vaccines, you know, all that kind of stuff. But, you know, um, I, I feel reasonably informed and it's been a, it's been a journey and hopefully it's a le- learning is a never ending journey, but that's one of the many things I like about the hobby is the, uh, absorption of so many facets of of you know technology and software and and marketing and and you know you know brainstorming all that kind of stuff it's been it's really interesting you know it's a fun part of the hobby you know for me yeah knowledge by osmosis basically yeah 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 and you know and go ahead sorry sloopy yeah i wish i was better with the software side of things um i mean hardware just comes easily for me software not so much i mean i'm so bad at the software side, I'll do uh, load load the A register and it'll end up in the U register. <laughs> and Jim Brain was just going through that too. Mm. Yeah. I sent uh, two um, MPIs to uh, Mark Marlette to have him fix them. Okay. And um, since I, before, I, I was before his uh, mom just passed away. Oh, I didn't know that. And no. Yeah. And um, I feel bad for him. Yeah. Smart. Mom got sick and passed. But anyway, um, you know, he's really a nice guy. He's uh, worked on some of my stuff before, even at uh, Cocoa Fest. 
and uh, I think he's a great guy. Yeah, yeah. So have you gotten yeah, him back yet? Uh, well, he told me he he may be a while. Oh yeah, no, that's understandable. Yeah, take care of his what? His mom. What? Yeah, yeah. Of course. What? So what was these like hardware problems where they're not turning on? This wasn't just like changing no, up the gal chip or anything, was it? One stopped working, and the other. I wasn't sure if it was flaky or it had a problem, so I sent him both, and uh, he he looked at them quick and said uh, the one was okay, it was nothing wrong with it. And the other one, uh, he's not sure yet. He's going to do diagnostics on it. So yeah, no, that's cool. Yeah, yeah. And speaking of like diagnostics and like people who are shedding light and adding kind of value to the community, like some of the some of our newer guys, like AC's eight bit zones, the stuff he's doing with his probes and his scopes and and looking at stuff and showing us sine waves and waveforms. I mean, we're getting people now who are looking at things uh, at a level that I don't know things were maybe when they were being engineered originally back in Fort Worth, they were looked at with that much, you know, scientific. Um, intensity, but I don't know that anybody's looked at how the cocoa makes cassette waveforms that intensely in, in 40 <laughs> years, you know. So the fact that it's a whole different time. So the fact like, you know, Rick Eulen's spinning up a network board now, and he's going on multiple revisions of that. The fact that people can make circuit boards and design all these things now at home is amazing. And so the fact that we have all these modern technologies that can allow us to look into this stuff you're talking about you know, the diagnostic, how he's going to diagnose your your, your uh, multi-pack, you know. Um, the fact that we have people who know how to do that and we have um, the, the ability to do that, it's, it's, it's so cool, you know. It's it's kind of even hard to explain it in, in other terms to give you an analogy of what it would be like somewhere else. But, uh, yeah, like I just imagine in the future... Uh, medicine where they can ha- they can have this whole 3D scan of your entire body and know everything that's wrong with it and tell you oh yeah by the way you know whatever that's what we're able to do now to technology that you know maybe 100 years from now we can do that to people but having something so advanced to tell you what's wrong with something is, is really cool to me and know that stuff's out there now it's not as expensive as it used to be too like you know years ago all those probes were just like crazy right so uh, you know what I was thinking um, I was thinking uh Maybe if uh, we get back to having Cocoa Fest again, we can all um, get together and and uh, enjoy each other, you know, on a personal basis. Yeah, not, yeah. Not have so hard. much of a rift, you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes that helps. It'd be nice. Yeah. Yeah, it's been, yeah, I mean, everybody this past year has been under stress because of COVID and because of life and work and the world and everything else. So that can't make things and, you know, missing out on these events. I know I was looking forward to Cocoa Fest last year. I was looking forward to VCF Midwest, you know, uh, and, and that, and that's just one of many things that have had to change. And, you know, hopefully those things will get better. Um, Heck, there, there might be a Cocoa Fest down in, uh, down under. Yeah. Yeah. The Oz. Yeah. They're the, trying to organize yeah, one. Yeah. 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 And, and I know right now they're still holding on to hopefully having a Cocoa Fest in April and, and, and let's, let's hope for that as plan A, but who knows, right. And with COVID and the vaccine, if it'll be able to happen that soon, but, but um, hopefully yeah, this be year. Happening for Canadians here because now, we've been basically told it's May before. How many here has gotten a uh, va- vaccine? So far, I, I have not gotten a vaccine. Um, no, I haven't either. No, I've got tested because I, I was I had a scare and that yeah, somebody I, I know that uh, got it, and so I got well, tested. I've had COVID. Um, I had it back in November. Oh and, wow! Uh, yeah, and uh, I'm a teacher, so you know I'm sure that I got a. If you guys don't know, I'm a band director. 
So I've got I've got people with instruments that are playing, you know, and there is all kinds of particular a lot of wind flying out of that. Yeah. And uh, and so that basically that makes me as far as I can tell from the CDC, that makes me immune for eight months or so. Um, most of the teachers at my school have, have had vaccines at this point. Um, but uh, but yeah, I, I think that uh, I'm not sure if I'll ever get the vaccine because I've already had it, which is, is sort of weird. Um, but, um, but yeah, uh, I, I had COVID and, uh, I made it through. So I'm very grateful. Yeah. Yeah. I think that, I think there are, n- there are a number of people who had it early on before we even know what it was. And so I've, I've heard those stories where, yeah, I had something that really knocked me out for a week and I didn't know what it was, but I was down and out. I'm usually healthy. And then now I'm back. And so now looking back at the symptoms and what they went through, they probably had it before we knew what it was, you know, as, as big as it was. So, um, crazy just stuff. Tell me, just tell me when we can stop wearing a mask. Yeah. You know, it's, mm-hmm. it, it sucks, but it's not the end of the world. Uh, other than having to smell your own breath at the end of the day, you know, that's, <laughs> that, that doesn't get to be the, the greatest thing in the world, but, um, all right. Recycled burritos. I'm telling you. Yeah. Is there anything else that we have not said that needs to be said before we press the button? Frank, anyone, uh, anyone, I have something. Oh, yes, Frodo, um, by all means. I've been looking up some information about uh, the two uh, cores, the cocoa cores. Okay. Mr. Uh, first of all, uh, I need to say with Roger Taylor's uh, course, that $5 that uh, Curtis mentioned uh, per month, that does include the Mr. Cocoa, but also the Mr. Dragon, the Mist Dragon, the CD Dragon, the CD Cocoa, and the Mist Cocoa. So it's for uh, multiple uh, FPGA solutions. Um, that one has last been updated in October for the Mister when they, he added, among other things, some optimizations and 64 character test screen fixes. Uh, and added in September some cassette file loading and tape audio listening. Um, if I look at the Coco 2 core... Um, that were indeed uh, two updates uh, this month. The original uh, release, first release, was in November. And earlier this month, they had an update where they uh, support, started supporting tape and uh, scan doubler support. And the uh, last update was some uh, fixes from seven days ago. So they are pretty uh, ac- working on it quite a lot at the moment, that's clear. Okay, that's good so progress happening on both fronts. Yeah. Hey, this this week uh, I helped um, Michael Pitsley try and get online with his cocoa, and uh, didn't have very much uh, luck with it. And um, I guess uh, Jim Brain helped him, hmm. and he was able to uh, get him going. And he's been having a a bunch of fun um, doing telnet and going to BBSs, and he was shooting me some screen prints and saying he's having a blast with the new mountator. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, uh, Sloopy, real quick question. So I'm thinking two steps ahead on your uh, uh, TTL ESP Wi-Fi dash one module. Um, once you got that, let's say right now I have it set up and it's connected to my home Wi-Fi, and then I want to go to like a retro meeting club and I want to get on a Wi-Fi there. How hard would that be? to make that change once you joined it to your house? Is it always in kind of a hotspot mode where you can just jump back on it and change the SID you want it to connect to? Or is it more harder once you've joined once? It, when the, um, 
when the Wi-Fi module first starts up, it uh, is in uh, access point and station mode. So for the first 15 seconds, you can access it either uh, way. So you'd have to jump on it real quick. It's got its, um, it has, it's broadcasting its well, own thing, right? That's that's if you're going to a place. If you if you already know that you're going somewhere, you can access the configuration um, with it in your previous thing. Um, if you want, I can show you real quick on it. Yeah, if it's uh, does that does does anybody else care about this, or am I the only one? I don't want to I don't want to bore the world to death with my. Oh man, so. I want to see it. I want to see it. All right, so let, I thought this is for history. Yeah, I need this. <laughs> All right, let's see here. How do I share my screen? Uh, I'll stop sharing mine. Okay. Okay. And okay. Yeah, on the bottom there. of the screen. Green button at the bottom. Green oh, button at the very bottom. It's cocoa green. Screen one. Share. Okay. We don't see. Okay, now I see it. I see the. I see the moon. Yeah, this is a picture of the Chesapeake Bay taken by my son. Oh, nice. Nice. Very nice. Yeah, my son is a uh, semi-professional photographer. All right. So you just go to the uh, IP address of the uh, of the Wi-Fi module. And ESP link. Button. Yep, and it's running ESP link. Okay. This and is the firmware. Yes, this is the actual firmware on it. Okay. Literally... Because you can see the cocoa running in my bat in, in behind me, yeah, and it's on. That's why I can access this. Okay, right. All right. Now, and don't. This is not going to show us your wireless password, right? That is. Uh, a, that's obscure. I don't care if it shows. I don't care no, if it shows it. No, I, I would drive by your house and get free internet off you, man. <laughs> oh well, I've got a. I've got an access point on top of my house that goes up to a mile. So okay. Here's the information. Okay. Um, for for it, and then you can just switch it to the uh, the access mode. And uh, where is it? There it is. You just come to this this one. Oh, so this is actually then scanning for networks that are available, and this is how you could rejoin. Right. Um, and you can you just go to this page, and then you uh, select which one you want, and then you connect to it. Enter the password, hit connect, and then you okay. Start so it. let's let's use my example. Let's say I had this in my cocoa and I had it set to connect to my home Wi-Fi. I shut down my cocoa. I go somewhere else. I don't know what that Wi-Fi name is going to be or what that password is until I get there. I'm in a hotel. I'm something else. What would I have to do to get back on this in new location? When you're saying when you first turn yeah. on the cocoa and this boots up, the it, the firmware is in a receiving mode at first, so it's going to broadcast like a, a name for you to jump onto. Right. Okay. Um, it will. Um, here, I'll show you. You see this right here? Yeah. ESP nine Yeah. Yep. Okay. That so I would access. see that. Yes. And right now it's actually just set to open, so there's no password. So I would leave my laptop there. As soon as I saw this name pop up, I would just click it and hit connect, and then boom, I'm in. Mm-hmm. And then I would just open it up in my browser, and then run the scan and join to the new Wi-Fi in my new location. Yeah. But okay. If you are, yeah, if you already know the information before you go there, yeah, you can pre-populate it. You can enter it. Enter okay. the uh, access point yeah. there. Yeah. See, this I've I've heard about these things, but I've always wondered how did you how do you actually interact with them 
And so thank you yeah. for showing me that because it's always been a, 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 a curious thing in my mind. <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, so there's a lot of things I don't know, but understanding how to connect Wi-Fi is something I do know. So <laughs> but yeah. just not knowing how this device does it was my challenge. And I had a similar problem with the wireless SD card. You know, um, you had to you had to go through a few commotions to um, to get that wireless SD card on your on your network. And I had to help with Mark Overholzer and Jim Brain had shown me a few config files to put on there. And, you know, once you know what to do, and that's the hardest part sometimes is where, where do I begin? How do I get? To, oh, here's David Ladd. Some people have great difficulty locating the hotspot, the Z modem firmware. You connect to your Wi-Fi via an at command. Uh, so the Zymodem or Zimodem uh, one is where it makes it more like a telnet versus the uh, infrastructure right. mode. Um, yeah. Okay. And now let me ask you this. If it was on infrastructure mode on Wi-Fi, could you not still use at commands now that you're connected to your Wi-Fi? In the ESP Link so- uh, software, that, which is what's on there, it will not. Oh, so you have to be one or the other. Yes. I'm uh, I'm trying to find someone who knows these modules much better than anyone I currently know to see if it's possible to put both firmwares on there and then have a GPIO pin um, decide whether you uh, start up. In the uh, because yeah, link it, or it can only be one of- identity or the other. So you have to reflash the firmware to be either access point, hotspot mode, or um, uh, serial, basically Wi-Fi serial. Right. Well, basically, the ESP Link software can do any any of those, but it doesn't. It's not as as versatile as like using the Zymodem software for, gotcha. for uh, various things. Yeah, now, I find it interesting, and I think it would be something I would. Pro- it's something I don't know that I would use at home every day, but I think it would be cool to show off. Like it would be cool if we could all be at Cocoa Fest and we all get our cocos on the freaking hotel Wi-Fi. You know, and doing something stupid just because we can. That would be kind of cool and fun and silly. You know, it would be cool to bring it somewhere to show somebody. Like, it's, it's, yeah. there's not a lot of value or, or excitement I'm going to get at home doing this just because I can. Um, but to take it somewhere and do it to impress somebody else, that to me is kind of cool. Hey, check this out. Here's my 40 year old Coco that I'm getting on your Wi Fi. You know, that is yeah. kind of cool. So and it's all built into the cocoa, you know. It's all internal. So that is pretty cool. Um, Let me right. ask you guys a question. You know, for the Atari Eight Bits, there's been a, 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 a one of the newest peripherals out there is is called the FujiNet, which basically combines a cocoa SDC with a Wi-Fi connection. So you can connect uh, to a TNFS server basically anywhere in the world. And basically expand, you know, you can you can connect your Atari and be able to load up different directories from computers all over the world. Um, has anybody ever thought about, you know, expanding the the Coco SDC is so good. I mean, it's it's awesome. But connect, you know, adding a Wi-Fi access point to that so you can connect it to another, you know, sort of you know remote server either through the TNFS protocol or, or another one. Um, that is definitely a possibility for uh, my uh, for my hardware. Um, I'm not familiar with the software side of that um, because it's just not my thing. I'm not too good at the software side of things. Um, but yeah, it's it's very doable. It's just a matter of writing the software. So um, do you have the software done yet? 
<laughs> well, so I, I don't know if anybody else, I don't want to be Mr. Answer Every Question here, but uh, I, I did mention I feel enlightened about uh, the community and stuff. But So I'll try to answer one of your questions, uh, Boat. The Coco SDC, which is, we all agree, the greatest single piece of hardware ever invented for the Coco. Yes. Um, the person who developed that, Darren Atkinson, he is pretty adamant about that product being that product. He he originally only had one person produce it, which was um, Ed Snyder. He allowed a second person to produce it, but the stipulations to producing it is you have to produce it as I designed it, and that's it. So you can't really add anything onto the Coco SDC as on the same circuit board and alter that design that's per the wishes of the creator so like one of the things that jim brain has been playing with is what he's calling an sdc extender which is kind of a pass-through device that you would plug the sdc into that and plug that into your coco and add something like a real-time clock and a sound chip and stuff where it's still all one cartridge but it has to be a bolt-on it can't be integrated uh, theoretically, there's, I don't think there's anything technologically preventing that from happening, but the, that was the designer's request to keep that I see. design so, how so it is. So the designer is not particularly interested in expanding. No, because years and years ago, somebody had suggested putting a sound chip on there, and, no, and he didn't want it, or nobody thought it was worth doing. And, you know, it's real short-sighted thinking, honestly. There's so many of them out there. There's over 700, probably 1,000 units out there. It's a shame now that anything we could think of to add to the SDC can't be retroactively put back on anything else. So, right. You know, um, you'd think you'd think if he was not interested in in expanding it, he'd at least open it up to allow you know other people to expand it. So, yeah, I don't know. and, it's and hard I can't I can't I can't speak to the person. I don't know him, and I'm, I'm not saying he's a bad guy or anything like that. But I don't know him, and I don't want to misrepresent his desires. But it just seems like this is what I designed, and this is kind of how I want this as this product for his, for the reasons that he has chosen. Well, Stevie, don't you have it working though with a Wi-Fi SD card? Yeah, but that's not changing the hardware in the device. No, 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 I know, but won't yes. that do? Won't that answer the question? Like, if you you have it working with a Wi-Fi? SD no, no, card, it, that that Wi-Fi card doesn't let me get on any network. It just lets me from my PC get onto the SD card. So it's a way to manipulate the contents of the SD card without having to do the sneaker net of pulling it out and sticking it in my PC and going okay. back and forth. So it's just Wi-Fi enabled the the SD card. To be manipulated, right? Well, that's still yeah, where, cool. whereas Boat is talking about actually accessing, like, say, the Color Computer Archive directly. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. So, oh uh, my you, gosh, talk about talk careful. about you know a dream scenario that would be fantastic. well, but but see, some, now, some of the emulators do like yeah. So the Coco Pie Project does that. The Coco Pie Project is online, so you're running emulated Cocos that can download stuff from the archive online, and you can update the Coco Pie image, you can update the menus, you can update Mame. So the Coco Pie is the second best thing to the Coco SDC, in my opinion, as far as how much stuff it lets you do. Sorry, Ron, go ahead. Isn't most of the stuff on the archive zipped? Yes. Well, uh, I've never had my Coco unzip anything. Yeah, that, that that's obviously a problem. You'd you'd have to figure out a way to uh, if you're using the real hardware. Oh in this, yeah, in this yeah, imaginary yeah. Future, I see. Yeah, in this imaginary future, future, right? Yeah, the, the, it's the not practical. Yeah. It's not practical. Yeah, and, but, but and some of them are available because I know like XWare supports uh, the online. You can just click on the the button and it'll just download the little thing. Yeah, and it's ironic that we need to zip a 180k file, right? To to save space. (laughs) (laughs) Six terabyte drive. (laughs) Now, I will mention that Nitrous 9 does have unzip built in, so theoretically you could do it from there. Yeah. Right? 
<laughs> yeah. So yeah, there there is a NTFS protocol. I'm sorry. Go ahead, Frodo. NTFS protocol is quite nice. NTFS protocol is uh, originally uh, developed for the Spectrum, for a uh, network interface that was made for the Spectrum, and it uh, has a nice uh, effect that it uh, one can connect to multiple uh, servers at once. I'm not sure if the, Atari, if the Atari version does the same as the Spectrum version. Oh the yeah, yeah it, it, it does. The FujiNet allows you to connect to it allows you to connect to any number. I think up to six different uh, TNFS okay. servers and yeah. be able to pull pull software from any of them. So yeah, it's, the, it's is, is that the Tommy uh, Thomas Cherry Holmes project? Is that the FujiNet I'm thinking? Of? Yeah, yeah, that's, yeah, that's exactly right. Yeah. This is the Thomas yeah. Cherry Holmes project, and he based he based that on the TNFS project. And that's not the Errata Online though, is it? Network. Well, uh, you, you know, Errata Online is a TNFS server. Uh, FujiNet basically is an is a is a is an adapter that allows you to connect to any number of TNFS servers and pull software from them and load them through the SIO port of the Atari. So it becomes kind of like a virtual file transfer mechanism, like a serial port. Exactly. So you know, instead of having a flash cart, it's basically a flash cart that can download things on the fly from the internet. Oh, that's cool. So do I you do think the same uh, with my spectrum indeed? Yeah. Mm-hmm. It, do you, it turns do the entire internet into your own personal NFS share. Right. Right. Uh, do you think the, yes. Do you think in the future that uh, the archive uh, might want to turn to uh, un arcing all of the unzipping available, so that we can access them fast? It, has the guy behind the archive ever been on the show before? Gilm? No. 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 I talked that, to him by email would be quite a, a job. bit. But, yeah. Well, this would be a real job. The yeah. other the other thing the archive needs to do is separate uh Coco 3 from 1 and 1 and 2. Well, they're tagged now, so yeah, you can do a, you, you can, can do a search based not, on that. Not all of them. And oh. they're zipped still. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> My yeah, he's slowly updating because a while ago I found some uh, wrong stuff in the uh, files and I uh, messaged him and within a day he updated it. So he is reacting at least to uh, if there's issues, so if you notice issues, feel free to message him. He does seem to react. I have another question. On the archive, are the two diagrams of the um, Coco exploded? You know, in a in a um, oh, the picture of the the the, yeah. the breakout picture, right? The, yeah. And they're in P, PNG format. Okay. And every every time you can try this if you want, but every time I click on the um, to download one, it uh, says out of memory. And I use a different computer, and, and mm. still I get the same thing. And I messaged him are. about that, and he said, "Get it, uh, get more memory." Which is cute, but it doesn't solve the problem. Right. Ron, are you still are you still running 16K, Ron? You need at least yes. 64K. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's right. So are those uh, located? Uh, on the archive, colorcomputerarchive.com. Uh, well, it was it was the newest things he updated. Ah, um, and and so it was on the it, initial list when you first get there. Okay, so Michael Furman's been chatting in that we that he can make Pi Pi Drivewire do a lot of these things you're talking about, and Pi Drivewire is something we can make the Coco talk to either over the serial cable or wireless. And he's saying that he can make Pi Drivewire handle uh, unzipping files. So we, so we could possibly because Pi Drivewire is running on a computer, right? So, um, so it sounds like Pi Drivewire might be able to help us achieve some of these future needs of uh, instant uh, gratification of software over the internet. Well, the uh, Coco is a computer. Yes, 
but it's not a computer that can not run by driveway. Yes, right. That is true. <laughs> and the MC10 is a color computer too, Ron. Just to remind us. So that's right. <laughs> and it's becoming a beast. Yeah. And it is becoming a beast. It's the it's inner I beast. I just tried opening one of the PNGs. Uh, for me, it does work, but they are very big. That's oh, it's a so big you might file. Want to download them first and then open them. Right yeah. click and save as. Right click and save yeah, as. Save link. You might be able to fit it in with the browser at the same time. I think it's yeah, of, um, Alt F4. Alt F4 will help clear out the uh, browser Alt for F4. you. Well, the other thing sure, that sure. we have to consider <laughs> is some of these zipped up uh, programs have uh, text files in them to yeah, explain. Yeah, so, yeah. And you have to be smart enough, the software, to know the difference between. Oh, software is always smart. What they well, really software ought to do would is... only look for DSKs or SDFs, right? Or whatever. Software yes, no, yeah, applicable file types or whatever. What they really ought to do is what they do for the uh, the BBC Micro and a lot of Amstrad CPC games, and that's include a text file, but actually put it, boot it at the beginning of the game, so you can read through all of the docs before you start if you want, and then you can press F five or whatever to skip past that. Uh, that would be fantastic to actually have an archive of all of the, the manual and whatever when you load up a Cuckoo game and then press F5 to start the game. So What hasn't been thought of? Okay, so as, as the, we, ha- we, have to, we have to finish this wish list real quick. Does anybody else have any pie-in-the-sky things they want to add to the list before we submit it to the Cocoa Gods? And sacrifice a Diet Dr. Pepper and say the Pine. holy ritual. Uh, <laughs> I, I, I think we should tell Guillaume we love the archive yeah. after all this wish list of uh of right. uh, absolutely the archive is awesome all right yeah. um and listen if we want to keep talking we want to keep talking but i'm just asking because I'm, I'm i'm worried that somebody's getting bored either here on the panel or in the audience um well, do we more raise your hand yes uh okay uh, game on uh, segments <laughs> long gone so i my interest is yes. totally okay gone. so <laughs> i can send us off with some popcorn Yes, uh, I do. Of game on, I think I'm, popcorn. I think I'm going to disqualify any scores that are submitted while the show is still going on. Mm. That's just like um. wrong. So I want to thank the audience <laughs> who's been with us all day today, and it's been along this ride for 197 episodes. Um, you know. Wow. Um, <laughs> Again, I know I sound like I'm blowing my own horn, but it's kind of unconscious and conscious. We do try to do a good job. Um, with the show and representing the community and uh, just doing it in a way that I feel is, is is good. I don't know how else to put that. And I think that we're doing a good job in that. We 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 invite everyone to give us feedback in, in this. And if we need to be called out, I'll, I want to be called out. And if I need to uh, correct something I said that was incorrect, I will do that. No problem. No shame. No hard feelings. But uh, I... I I think as a as a group here, we all want the best for how we represent the show and how we represent the community. And I want to thank you guys for for always doing such a good job doing that. I want to thank the audience who's always along here with us for the ride oh, too. Yeah. And hopefully, we haven't disappointed too many people too many times. Uh, it's bound to happen again, once or twice. Promise, pinky swear, we'll screw up again. But we do try to do our best most of the time, and I think we do a good job of doing that most of the time too. So thank you guys. I love you all. Well, not all of you, but most of you. Uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> Any final? 
Yes, for those of you who I don't love, I will get with you later and tell you what I think about you. All right, so I'm going to play the outro, and then we'll be back for final, 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 final thoughts after these, and then we're going to press the button. This concludes another episode of Coco Talk, the world's leading live talk show featuring the Tandy Color Computer. For all things Coco Talk, visit us on the web at cocotalk.live. We'd love to hear from you. Send feedback, suggestions, even segments via email to CocoTalk at CocoTalk.live. Consider supporting the show with a purchase of merchandise from our retro swag shop at 8bit256.com. If you'd like to become a patron of the show, visit the Patreon link on our site, CocoTalk.live. CocoTalk would not exist without the community, its cast, crew, and contributors. Thanks go to Curtis Boyle, David Ladd, Mark Overholzer, D. Bruce Moore, Nick Morentes, Ron Delvaux, Rick Adams, Jason Reichard, Richard Lorbieski, Jim Brain, Tom C., Rob Inman, Mark Bosley, Brian Joyce, Ken Reichard, Danny O'Connor, Brian Weasler, Terry Steggy, Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Nick Marota, Alan Murphy, Rick Ewan, Grant Leedy, Samuel Gimes, and many more, especially to Steve Bjork for production suggestions and to James Diffendaffer for making my head explode. Please help support the Coco community by visiting some of its sponsors. A list of various resources and contributors are available on our website at imacoconut.com. That's I-M-A-C-O-C-O-N-U-T dot com. The original Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2008 by D. Bruce Moore and Greg Sheeler. The new Coco Talk theme song is copyright 2020 by D. Bruce Moore. Both are mixed, mastered, and produced by D. Bruce Moore. Coco forever! All right. So, yeah. So, Frodo mentioned that whenever we say press the button, Frank, since his real name is Frank, he gets a little kick out of that. And uh, <laughs> thank you, Frodo, oh, for being here. Thank you, you Mikey. like hearing your name? That's really egotistical. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I know. Uh, typical Dutch habit, I guess. Uh, uh, that, that's a joke because I... They say my name. I know, I know, I know. You know why they say my name three times. And Nick's far more egotistical about it than you. So so Frodo doesn't need things Steve explained to him, Nick. So that's fine. Oh, sorry. Uh, All right. So in the live chat, I want to say thank you to uh, Kevin Holloway. And Mikey says, I love you too. So Mikey knew when I said I love you all, he knew he was in that group. So thank you, Mikey. He was reading me, right? So yes, I love you, Mikey. And Karen, your beautiful wife, and Sloopy Malibu, and Eight Bits in the Basement, and Exiled in Paradise, and David Lord, and uh, Toto was uh, there, and Auntie. M. I know you love me because you have my beard. Oh yeah, I absolutely do. <laughs> I, do. I, I, I wear the Ron Dovo outfit all the time. Buck Owens was in the Twitch chat. He didn't know we were on Twitch. Yeah, now. Kevin Holloway, David Lord, AC, Sloopy, Buck Owens, Nick. Maroda and Ken Reichard and John Lowry is out there and Davey, Daddy Burrito and uh, say hi to Mommy Enchilada for me while you're out there and Michael Pitsley and Ken and, and all kinds of people here. Guys, we had like 50 some odd people here and, and I want to say thank you and we're sorry at the same time for being here this whole time. <laughs> um, thank you guys on the panel each and every week making me have a reason to get up on a Saturday and want to do something. Uh, I appreciate all of you. I appreciate the people who watch us and I love the Coco and God bless us everyone. Parting thoughts. Anyone? Anyone? Uh, big thank you to Boat and Frodo for coming on the show today. Absolutely. Absolutely. Always yeah. happy to be here. Always happy to be here. Anytime. Oh, good. Anytime. Yeah, I need to come every week. Curtis, thank you for helping with my um, EOU. 
And Chris just said, oh, yeah. Chris okay. Durris says, and see you next week from someone you don't even know is here every week. That's right, Chris, because <laughs> if you don't chat, we don't know. Yes. And yes, we're live on Twitch. So we have yeah. moved the YouTube channel. At the same time we moved the YouTube channel, we set up a brand new Twitch channel. I always multicast on Twitch, but it was on my OG Stevie Stroh channel. But since we're making a shift and I want to keep it all Coco focused, we've got... Coco Talk on the I'm a Coconut YouTube channel. We've got Coco Talk on a brand new Twitch channel. And then we're always live on our Facebook channel, too, which is uh, Facebook slash Coco Talk Live. And we're even on freaking Twitter and Periscope, whatever that crap is called. So we're multi multi streaming to a lot of places just in case somebody stumbles across us at some point in time. Ron, you're raising your hand. Do you have to go potty? Yeah, you, you keep waving your hand and you're oh. above my head and oh, making sorry. it cool here. So, oh, sorry about that, Ron. I'll, I'll keep it down. So did you want to mention the, the kind of collaboration we have where we're going to be passing the baton between the Amigos and us? So? Oh, well, why don't you do that since stuff? you know what you're talking about? Well, I, I figured I'd let both, both <laughs> okay. I don't understand this Twitch stuff. I'm just here. Oh, oh, yeah. oh you're talking about the hosting, the co-hosting? Yes. Or the, you want yeah, to explain so, that, Boat? So, so, yeah, yeah, yeah. So basically what happens is uh, we are hosting Coco Talk, and Coco Talk is hosting us. So whenever we are broadcasting any of our podcasts, whether it's the Coco Show, which is obviously about the Coco, uh, R. Sinclair, which is a ZX Spectrum podcast, 1200XL, we do a podcast about the Atari 8-bit line of computers, or, of course, Amigos, the Amigos, uh, the Amiga podcast that we do. Uh, you can see that through the Coco Talk Twitch channel just by watching it. And whenever Coco Talk is transmitting, we are hosting them as well. So it's a very reciprocal thing, and we're happy to do it because we love Coco Talk. And we love the Amigos. We love you guys. Yeah, you guys are awesome. Yeah. Makes perfect sense. I do the same because I uh, host both of your uh, channels too on my channel. Ah, and I'm hosting yeah. yours too, Frodo. I saw you were being hosted on there, so I'm hosting you on the Coco Talk one too. So, yeah. Community, man. And you yeah, tell two friends, right. and they'll tell two friends, and so on. Community working together. Community working together. Imagine that. It's easy if you try. All right? Um, so... Anything else? Anyone, anyone, anyone? Yes, this Sloopy. This is the longest goodbye ever. Oh, by the way, David Ladd has just joined us. So, uh, David Ladd, are you there? Oh, crap. David. Yes, Stevie, I am. <laughs> D- David Ladd. How do you really feel? Are you excited to be... David, are you excited to be here today? Well, um, <laughs> after the VA trip, no, not really. Okay. Uh, Jason Reichard, can we get your best excited David Ladd? Stevie, I'm so excited. I've got my Diet Dr. Pepper and Grease Weasel all ready to go. Woo! <laughs> all right. There we go. David, in, <laughs> David, whenever you're feeling like you're a little bit out of gas, we got Jason Reichard to be the wind beneath your wings. All right, He's so. your stunt double. Oh, He's your stunt me, I, got, I got plenty of gas at the moment, so I don't have to worry. <laughs> <laughs> David, you're okay. sharing again. I think David, yeah. did David go to Taco Bell again? All right. Everybody say goodbye at the same time now. Say goodbye, everybody. Goodbye. Goodbye, everybody. everybody. All right. We're, press the Bye. button. Bye.